0: Alrighty. Welcome everyone to Football Addicts Honors Podcast. It's good to have some some new faces once again. John. Chris. Aaron's on his phone. Nice to meet you guys. How's it going? How's it going? What up? Yeah. So we're doing the ASTE ASC North uh season preview today not really anything at all going on in the nfl news uh and college i mean we're gearing up for the nil legislation go into effect in a couple of days here but uh other than that not much going on i told these guys before right before i am uh so distraught by this Euro 2020 game that is currently an extra time. Had a parlay. Was looking fantastic. France money line. That is only in regulation is when that counts. We were up 3-1 with like 15 minutes to go in the game. And it is now tied 3-3 in extra time. So... Yeah. Really... Can't wrap my head around it, what happened. But... Anyways. So... Start off, NFL news. Uh, I'll actually reverse the two things that we have there. So, there's going to be a lot... Uh, Of teams we talked about how the NFL um, is allowing alternate helmets to come back but uh, and that was originally scheduled to start next season but I saw an article on CBS Sports today that said a lot of teams won't have alternate helmets until 2023 because the NFL was mean and set the 2022 uniform deadline prior to approving the use of alternate helmets once again. So, but a, a team can use an alternate helmet next year if, you know, it is using its throwback, you know, if it already has a throwback in its 2022 uniform set. Um, Otherwise, you know, probably not going to see a lot of them until 2023.
1: (laughs) They're really trying their hardest to not allow it. Or at least prolong it. I
2: don't know why it's taken them so long to come to this decision. Just think about all the sales and money these teams are going to be getting once 2023 comes around and they have all the throwback. Just, I'm just picturing like DK Metcalf in the 1980 Seahawks uniform. I'm gonna buy that as soon as I can. I don't know why I haven't done this yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw a, yeah. uh, I saw a nice graphic design picture of Jalen Hurts in the Kelly green, and I was, it was he was looking li- nice. Yeah, a lot of those throwback jerseys, especially
3: like I would say like a lot of the ones you see like from the 80s, it's just like oh, they look so fresh, like. If you get, like, an old 49ers, like, Joe Montana jersey or, like, so, like stuff like that, that is awesome. I, I wish – and I agree. I wish they would, up, like, put it out now and make the most sense.
0: Well, that's the NFL for you. Even though it's not the most complicated, <laughs> like the NCAA. But it is what it is. Okay. Okay. Um, so the only other piece of news we have is that free agent wide receiver Demarius Thomas decided to hang it up. He played, I don't have the exact number of years, it looks like 10, looks like 10 seasons. Uh, 22nd overall pick in the 2010 draft by the Denver Broncos, played there till 2018 uh, when he was traded to the Houston Texans. Signed with the New England Patriots in 2019. Never played a game there before he got traded to the Jets um, early on in the 2019. I don't even know. He didn't even make it to week one with the Patriots, did he, Chris? I don't believe so. Yeah. So, uh, Super Bowl 50 champion with the Peyton Manning-led Broncos. Five-time Pro Bowler, two-time second-team All-Pro. And... Career numbers, 724 receptions, 9,763 yards, and 63 touchdowns. And y'all can talk about that a little bit if you want. Um, I'm going to go to the most famous play from Demarius Thomas.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was one of the best receivers in the 2010s, at least in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he he was great even before Peyton Manning came to the Broncos and then his game just got elevated even more. But I think, or yeah, the play that we're about to show, obviously he did great things with lesser quarterbacks there.
0: Yeah. So we are, we are doing the AFC North season preview today. This hurts, still hurts, even after all these years. Tim Tebow breaking my heart, but uh yeah, here we go. Tebow mania
2: at its at its height right here.
1: First snap of the overtime. The Broncos have been in three overtime games this year. They won them all. Got him! Got him at the forty. It's Thomas at the fifty. Stipper got him three to the thirty, to the twenty. Thomas to the ten. Difference going on in the New England. They win it on the first. Prize.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was just and the craziest thing was is that was the first game first playoff overtime game with the new rules that you could go down and score a touchdown the game was over so <laughs> yeah I, I don't have – I mean, Demarius Thomas, definitely not. I know that's, like, the first thing that everyone talks about when any pretty good player retires is, you know, is he Hall of Fame? No. No, he's not.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't say he's Hall of Fame level just because he didn't have that um, that period of time that he was so dominant, was so small. I don't think if, if he had been able to hold that dominance – after Peyton Manning retired in a longer period, then he'd be in the Hall of Fame conversation. But wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know about Hall of Fame, but I definitely think he deserves to be, at least in the Broncos' ring of honor, or whatever they call it there. He was nearly
2: unstoppable those few years, especially when Peyton Manning came in those offense. Their offenses were breaking records left and right. Mm-hmm. It was insane.
0: Yeah, he talked about that. I don't know if any of y'all saw demarius's retirement video on twitter today uh he talked about that he was like me wes welker eric decker uh no sean marino and julius thomas he said you're really gonna try to stop us like (laughs) so uh but yeah he was always he was never to me like the top top of the receivers, especially when you look at where he ranked every season in terms of receptions, yards, touchdowns, he was always he was in the top ten usually, but he was never in the top five. <laughs> he was always in the bottom of the top ten. So, and I think
2: I think he gets a lot of um, slack though because he played with Peyton Manning for during his prime. So everyone thought, oh, Peyton Manning just makes his receivers better, which is true, but it it it's not given enough credit to his name because he was also a very good receiver he wasn't up there with the julio jones and the calvin johnsons who were the top of the top uh during the early 2010s but he was still a very very good reliable receiver
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and chris can talk about his time on the jets i know that <laughs> i mean
1: he was only there for a season but he he still showed flashes of his old self when he was with the Jets for that year. Granted, the Jets didn't have any receivers to begin with, so it wasn't really hard to look like a superstar with them. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think he still could play if he really wanted to.
0: Yeah, not sure exactly how old he is. I think he's 33 now.
1: Yeah, it says in the article he's 33. So,
0: yeah. Good career, though, for Demarius Thomas. That's literally all. All for NFL news. Nothing else is going on right now.
1: Very quiet weekend.
2: Yeah, I think teams like it to be quiet this time of year because otherwise you're just hearing about different arrests and so for a lot of teams, no news is good news this time of year. Mhm.
3: That is true.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's just jump into AFC North season preview. Got TJ. Got Lamar, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield. So, gonna start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looking at their schedule, I have them going 10 and 7, Um, losing week one at Buffalo. Then they go on a a pretty solid run until late in the season. Um, They beat Vegas, they beat Cincinnati. Lose at Green Bay, I believe I have. Mm-hmm. Um, winning it, winning against Denver, they beat Seattle on a Sunday night game. They beat Cleveland in Cleveland. Beat Chicago, beat Detroit. That Chicago's a Monday nighter. Then uh, they beat the Chargers in L.A. on a Sunday night. Win in Cincinnati. They beat Baltimore. They win in Minnesota. So they're feeling really good, just like last year. But then they lose four straight to end the year against Tennessee at Kansas City, home against Cleveland and at Baltimore. Uh, the Cleveland game is another Monday night game in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I think that's 10-7. One, two uh actually I think I had they might have lost to the chargers too one two yeah I think I had them losing to the chargers too mm-hmm. in L.A.
1: So. so is that ten and seven or nine and eight
0: that's ten and seven because okay. I originally i originally said at Buffalo at Green Bay and then they lose the last four. And I was trying to think what the seventh one was. And I was like, all right, maybe it's that yeah. at, at the Chargers is where they lose. All
1: right. So I don't have as much to say now. I was going to say something about that Chargers game because I do believe the Chargers win that one as well. Um, but for the most part, I have the same exact record prediction as you. Um, the only two that I think are up in the air for me are those last two games of the season against the Browns and the, and the Ravens. Obviously... That last game might not mean anything for one of the teams, so that obviously throws it off. And, uh, well, same for the Week 17 game against this, the Browns, too. Those two games might not mean anything. So, I mean, those are obviously big factors in the outcomes of those games. But for the most part, I would agree with you, though, that I, I could see them going 10-7. and seven.
2: I think I'm a little lower on the Steelers than you guys are. Personally, I have them um, uh, having uh, going eight and nine and missing the playoffs just because that offensive line is so – it was very, very rough last season. And then they just released David DeCastro now. And I know he, was, he wasn't playing well last year, but now you just have a ton of unproven names. And I know they got Najee Harris in the first round, but – I don't understand how you're going to run the ball when you guys have when you have three or four guys in the backfield at all times. So, um, I have the, the only the big differences I have with uh, your guys' schedules. I have them. I don't see them beating. I have them beating, not beating Seattle. I have Cleveland sweeping them, and I can even see Baltimore sweeping them. That offensive line scares me. And Big Ben didn't look the same last year, and an- add another year to, um, you know, Father Time doesn't never loses so. I'm kind of. I'm not too hot on Pittsburgh this year.
3: Yeah, I would say I would kind of. I would kind of like be like halfway in between like Rusty and Chris. I think they would like they if, if they if they really like if they really play it hard, I think they can squeak into the playoffs. But I think it'll just be like there'll be a first first round dropout as soon as they get in. I think just because if they're kind of like. Really in that mix, really, where they have a lot of young guys, but then they also have a lot of older guys that they're trying to start to phase out. And having Roethlisberger again on the team is, he's one of their greatest quarterbacks of all time, of course, but the dude's getting up there, and they have to figure out a way of, like, easing him out and bringing a new guy in and everything. And I think it's that you are the Steelers are at that point where they're starting to realize that more and more as the seasons go on. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's very telling that he had to take a big pay cut to come back this year. I, I'm under the belief that Pittsburgh was not going to bring him back if he wanted that same salary. Yeah, I
3: mean, yeah, I mean, the past couple of years now, he's, he's been kind of, I wouldn't say, like, he's been hampered by just constant, like, and, and also I think, well, his age, too. What is he now? It's, he's close to 40. It's not over, almost
0: there. Yeah, he'll be 39, I think, during the season.
3: Yeah, so I think I think it's just kind of that point where and all the teams have to deal with that, especially when you have when you have career when you have uh, career players and everything like that who's played with the team forever. Now granted, you can phase out Tom Brady because Tom Brady just he's over forty years old and he keeps on going for some odd reason.
2: <laughs> I think a big difference though is you see Brady and he takes care of his body and he's like at peak health. That's like, true, yeah. Ben burger is not the same same way, you know. He's <laughs> gonna be one of those guys you can go have a Philly cheesesteak and a burger with, you know. Maybe not a Philly cheesesteak, because you know Pittsburgh, but he's not He'll the same. He'll
3: go
0: get a brother way. sandwich. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I still think, you know, having Najee Harris is going to help Ben tremendously this year. The run game. That's that's the thing. They're so committed. To reestablishing the run game in Pittsburgh, regardless of who's playing on the line, and it does help that they got Trey Turner to replace David DeCastro, um, former Pro Bowl guard with the Panthers, um, also played pretty well for the Chargers as well. But you know, I I still think Ben can do it. He's the most experienced quarterback in the division. They can lean on the defense and um yeah 10 and 7 for me is pretty good yeah,
1: and i mean nobody even mentioned their defense either i think their defense is still at the very least top 3 in the league so uh, oh definitely i, I think their defense here,
2: so i think their defense and mike Tomlin is a, that's those two are going to keep them in the hunt for the playoffs if their defense wasn't as good as it is i'd say they're Looking at number one overall pick
0: territory, the one for that defense. All right, uh, looking at the Steelers depth chart here. Obviously, we'll start off Najee Harris, like we've been saying. Um, First round pick, you know it. He's going to bring a, a tough Pittsburgh mentality into the building. And, uh, like I said, they're severely committed to reestablishing the run game this year. So, looking forward to see how that works out. Um, no new receivers. I uh, could talk about Juju because he's back. Aaron, turn your mic off because you're whipping around. I don't know what, what is going on. You're driving. Yeah,
3: that's Yeah, so he's cutting in and
0: out of there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So, really, I mean, the offense doesn't change much as far as skill position players. Uh, Pat Fryermuse, second round pick. Love my guy out of Penn State. One of my teams actually drafted a Penn State player for once. Uh, which I like. He's going to to be a handful eventually. Uh, Eric Ebron probably gone after this year, I would think. So, Pat Firemute, mean, next season should be a pretty big deal. But, like I said, he, he still should get plenty of opportunities this year. Uh, and also, he's going to be a key helper in the run game with Najee as well. Now let's talk about the offensive line. <laughs> so, as John said, not many guys return. Only one starter returning from last year on the O-line, and he's switching positions. Chuck Socorafor switching from right tackle to left tackle. Um, they'll have... Two rookies starting this year. Kevin Dotson at left guard. Or no, Kevin Dotson is a second year guy, I believe. Um, yeah, second year guy for Kevin Dotson. And then rookie center in Kendrick Green. Trey Turner, like I said, replacing uh, David DeCastro, and then Zach Banner coming in at right tackle um, back from his torn ACL from last year. So I don't know. People don't think the the O-line can do it, but the, the thing that I like is that the guys that they do have, really good at run blocking. I know that about every single guy on that Steelers offensive line that they can run block. Not so sure about pass blocking for Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green, um, as well as Chuck Okorafor might scare me at left tackle, but <laughs> the right side I'm pretty confident about with Trey Turner and Zach Banner, though. Mm-hmm. Anyone have anything else on the Steelers' offense before we move to the defense? Um. Yeah. Based on because
2: I was kind of digging in on their offensive line, I think this is a this is a big thing. I think across the league is that people teams are wanting to start to build not just have five good offensive linemen, but they want to have good depth because down in the trenches, that's where it's very likely for guys to get hurt and miss even one, two games here and there, but one, two games here and there where you, you you guys can't run or pass because you guys keep getting um, defenders in the backfield, that's where it's very important to have the depth, have the sixth man be able to come up and play multiple positions. So that's what really scares me is um, the Steelers' offensive line is a lot of unproven guys, but on top of that, it's pretty thin. So if one of these guys who does, if they end up proving to play well and then they end up getting hurt, who's behind them? So is is Pittsburgh going to be able to survive any injuries on the offensive line, or are they going to be able to get past it?
0: Yeah, I like their swing tackle. Uh, Joe Haig, former Colt, Um, he's a pretty solid right tackle, can play left tackle. He's going to be the swing guy uh, as as far as I know. Uh, I'm not sure why they have B.J. Finney as the third-string center right now. I would think that he would be the guy – as the main interior backup over J.C. Hassenauer and Aviante Collins, um, maybe I'm wrong, but B.J. Finney's been in the system before, uh, before he went to Cincinnati and came back. So uh, I don't know. I like B.J. Finney in the interior, though. So both with with both those guys, I I'm pretty confident that they can fill in. After those guys, that's when it becomes an issue, though. Mm Well, defensively, we have Alex Highsmith replacing Bud Dupree. I'm pretty confident in Alex Highsmith. You know, granted, I'm saying confident a lot because I'm a Steelers fan as well. But (laughs) uh, Alex Highsmith, third-round pick last year, really filled in nicely and I thought grew a lot after Bud Dupree. Um, got injured. So I liked that he got to play and got to start games down the stretch in in the one playoff game as well. Um, Getting that experience, I think, will help him tremendously going into his first year as a a starter full-time. Another guy, Devin Bush, returning from injury as well. Very excited for Devin Bush to be back. Um, I love, I like Robert Spillane. He he played well. I still don't understand why they resigned Vince Williams. Uh, he's just not today's style linebacker. <laughs> he's big, bulky, two down run stuffer, um, and that's why I thought Spillane was in line to be the guy beside Devin Bush in the middle for the Pittsburgh base 3-4 because Spillane has speed. He can cover. He showed that he can stop the run with that massive hit on Derrick Henry in Tennessee last year uh, <laughs> near the goal line. So, yeah, I don't know. The changes in, in the linebackers are are not, you know, that drastic, I don't think losing Bud Dupree, anyways. <laughs> Chris, what was yeah. that look for? <laughs> well, I
1: don't know. I'm I, i I'm a fan of Bud Dupree, and I thought that that was a pretty significant loss, um, regardless of who they replaced him with. But uh, I'm more concerned, though, about their secondary. Like, I think that their front seven will be fine, but I think their secondary is where they're going to get hurt.
0: Yeah. Secondary definitely does not have... Anywhere near depth. Uh, You know, releasing Steven Nelson, that was a blow. Had to do it, though, for cap purposes. They still have Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. Those guys are going to be solid. Cam Sutton is going to be the new starter, opposite of Joe Hayden. We'll have to see. He played pretty well in his first two seasons for the Steelers. After them, that's where the issue comes, though. I think Antoine Brooks Jr. is not going to play safety this year. I think he's going to end up being their slot guy, even though I know they like Justin Lane. But I believe in Antoine Brooks Jr. more than I do Justin Lane in being the main slot guy. And especially replacing Mike Hilton as the Slot Blitzer, uh, which the Steelers are known for. But, yeah, after Justin Lane, though, at the corner position, there's not much, really. I mean, Shakur Shakur Brown, I don't know really too much about him. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's
2: going to really hope that their front seven can get to the quarterback fast, so. Their secondary doesn't have to be covering for too long. Because, so. again, like I mentioned with the offensive line, the the best teams in the NFL are the ones that have the depth because injuries are inevitable. So you want people to come in and be able to show up. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Luckily, I mean, the as far as the division goes, there's not – probably the Bengals are going to throw the most. I would think we know the Ravens are a ground and pound team. The Browns have a two headed monster at running back. Mm-hmm. So I think as in the division, anyways, the defense, the secondary is not that big of an issue.
2: And even with Cincinnati, I think Pittsburgh's front seven lines up very well against Cincinnati's offensive line, which also has issues. So,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk
2: about
0: them in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> One new special teams guy who I absolutely love. The rookie punter, sixth rounder, uh, or seventh, I don't remember, sixth or seventh. Presley Harvin out of Georgia Tech. Oh, my Lord, can this man punt the ball? He is massive, and he has a massive leg. (laughs) So I'm very excited for Presley Harvin to be the Steelers' new punter, even though technically Jordan Berry is on the roster still but you don't draft a you don't draft a kicker to not have him play. So,
1: <laughs> that'll be a fun little uh, camp battle to watch. But yeah, <laughs> if you draft the Hunter, he's going to be the one that wins it probably.
0: All right, that's that's Steelers death chart and uh, I don't know if y'all have anything else before we move on to the Ravens.
1: Well, what about the fantasy
0: aspect? Chris, thank you. You keep you keep <laughs> keep doing this. Um So, let's go back to the top. Big Ben. No. That's a negative. He can be a Maybe serviceable a backup. backup. Yes. Yes, backup quarterback. That's where, you know, I think that's a pretty good spot for Big Ben as is, is a backup. Uh-huh. He used to be He used to be my go-to in the late rounds. I would just snatch Big Ben in like the thirteenth round <laughs> and have him as my backup. <laughs> that was my go-to also. Or, or it used to be as well. Oh, okay. Philip Rivers, dude, <laughs> when he was on the Chargers, <laughs> I would just snag Philip in like the tenth round as my starter. Mm-hmm. And it would work out. <laughs>
2: You you always got to target those late-round quarterbacks who aren't mobile, but throw the ball hella well. So, (laughs) Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan for a little bit too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, fantasy-wise, I'm personally going to avoid the Steelers' offense like the plague, but if I can grab their defense, sign me up.
0: Najee Harris I definitely think has value in – the later rounds, when people start drafting rookies, uh, but I don't think he's going to go actually that late. I think people are going to overdraft Najee Harris because he's Najee Harris.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what scares me. I would love Najee Harris as a depth guy, but mm-hmm. from the uh, from NFL.com's like fantasy mock drafts, he's going in the first five rounds, which is way too early. But I, if you can get him late in the late rounds, go for it. Just because he's getting, he's going to be getting the reps. He's going to be getting the ball. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I would say it at the earliest if you're gonna, if you can. The earliest I would take him is as my RB three. Um, I don't know what round, like eight, maybe curious what you guys,
2: uh, because the Steelers have a good amount of receivers to throw to, so who would be your number one target if
1: you're targeting the Steelers' receiver? I was going to say, I think that one of my biggest sleepers in the entire league would be Chase Claypool. Obviously because of his versatility and how well he performed last year. And I mean, obviously his ground game doesn't help like a PPR league, but he still scores points by running the ball anyway. So I I really like him in terms of medicine.
0: Yeah, I would stay away. From, too. I would stay away from Juju. I am not drafting Juju this year. Um, but I still love my my guy Deontay Johnson. He was my favorite sleeper last year. He produced mightily. Um, and you know he has sort of injury issues. Has issues with drops, but I think he corrected that later in the season. Uh, uh-huh. So, I my number one receiver for the Steelers is Deontay Johnson, though.
1: The, the one thing I do have to say about Juju though is, yeah, I, I'm probably gonna stay away from him too and all that. But he has on the one year proven deals so that could have to perform higher than he's expected.
2: But I'm still. Him. Last year was also a contract year for them him as well, though, and he underperformed. still. I agree with you, though, that Chase Claypool would be, of those three, if I'm a target one, it'd be him, just because he's entering his second year, and a lot of times, you see um, players take that much higher jump from the first to the second year, so that's something to bank on, but I would say highest would be receiver
0: number three for me. Yeah. Um... Tight ends-wise, I think Eric Ebron is a starter. I think he's in that second tier of tight ends. He's he's played pretty well in Pittsburgh, and I think Ben likes him. So,
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a fantasy starter, but I, I don't know. I think he'd, he's towards the bottom half of that list, though.
2: I think with tight end, if you miss out on one of those top-tier guys, you might as well wait to get your tight end later in the draft someone and target someone like Eric Ebron. Um, Again, that's if you miss out on like your George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller.
0: So their defense, I know John already said about, um, but, yeah, defense is still a top three fantasy defense even with secondary suspect tj watt is not going to let this defense be mediocre (laughs) so just tj watt alone is why i'm still drafting this defense number one
1: (laughs) now what where would you say they would go though if they were the first defense off the board
0: i don't know last year i was over drafting them like crazy and i was going with them like in the ninth round (laughs) so
1: that sounds lit i feel like most people normally take a defense in like the fifth round and then everybody goes crazy
0: no i think like eight or nine is when you can start seeing top defenses go off yeah And then uh, Chris Boswell, kicker. I don't know. He, I think, like he's sort of in that area that like Eric Ebron, where he's like he's a he's a starter, I think, uh, just not a top tier kicker.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say he's like middle of the pack for me. I don't know. He's probably the like if he was like. One of the only kickers available, I'd probably pick him, but I don't know. I usually wait till like the last round to get my kicker, unless it's like one of the top tier guys. So, yeah, if he was probably the best best one available, then I would take him.
2: I'm on that same strategy as you, Chris. Um, kickers are great, but for fantasy value, last round. So whoever's available, I'll take.
0: You. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's see. I guess we will go with John first for the Ravens.
2: I think the Ravens are going to go 10 and seven. I think they are a very strong team behind Lamar Jackson in that potent run offense. The, if I go through the schedule specifically, I can see them. the chiefs week two will be at a loss. Definitely. Uh, Colts game will be, um, will be a toss up just cuz i think Carson Wentz is going to come back and have a, have a year. Um, but other than that their schedule looks pretty favorable. I think the Browns are going to give them issues as well as they have uh, the Packers and the Rams at the very end. So i think their their floor is 10 7 and that's what i have on that. Just cuz um i i always get weary and i'm all, i always get my uh my butt kicked with these opinions but running quarterbacks who run as much as Lamar Jackson are electric but wrong move and uh-oh, you know, so I think 10-7 and seven, good enough to get them a wild-card spot.
0: I agree with 10-7. and seven. That's exactly what I have them at as well. Week 1, they beat the Raiders on Monday night in Vegas. They lose to the Chiefs on Sunday night football. Week 2, Lamar has never beaten the Chiefs, so it's going to continue. Uh-huh. Win in Detroit, win... When- in Denver, and John, I like that you brought the Colts up because I have them losing on Monday Night Football in Baltimore against the Colts. <laughs> the all Baltimore matchup. <laughs> Colts are going to be dangerous this year. I'm telling you. Uh, they beat the Chargers, beat the Bengals, go into the bye week, come out, beat the Vikings. They lose. I like this. This is an interesting one. Thursday Night Football in Miami. They lose to the Dolphins and Tua. Uh, beat the Bears in Chicago. They have a Sunday nighter against the Browns. That's a win. Lose in Pittsburgh, lose in Cleveland, lose to the Packers. Then they beat the Bengals in Cincinnati. They lose to Matthew Stafford in Baltimore with the Rams, and then they beat the Steelers week 18 for 10-7. and seven. Chris?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find any sort of, like, fault in your uh, prediction there. And for the I, I think I pretty much agree with the entire uh, thing there. I was actually thinking of the Dolphins game there, too, and, and you said that. So, uh, and then you said they lose to the Colts, right? And then you mm-hmm. said they beat the Chargers? Yeah. The, I think the Chargers game might be the only one that I'm kind of – a toss up about. I think I think I'd have the same record as you, but I would flip the uh, I'd flip the Rams and Chargers games. I think they lose to the Chargers but they beat the Rams. All
0: right. Aaron, your thoughts on the Ravens record? Uh, I think they'll kind of they'll, they'll mirror uh, the
3: Steelers record-wise. I think they'll probably be they, like if they're not like tied at, like, the same record, I think they'll probably have, like, one game difference. Uh, it's just, I think the, the Ravens have, the, the Ravens, they do have, I think, um, they just, they're with with Jackson, I think he's, he's great. Uh, I agree with John, though, though. Being a running quarterback, you have those problems where it's like, hey, if he makes one bad run, it screws up your season in a bad way, and they have a lot riding on him. But I think um Towards the end of the season, if they – and I think, too, with running quarterbacks, if they pick up on your strategy, I think that's, like, a big thing with them, too. If, they pick, if uh, opposing teams pick up on the running quarterback strategy uh, soon on into the season, they can easily just pick up on it later and later as the season goes on. So I see them losing more of their games towards the end of the season than uh, towards the beginning
2: yeah a big thing we see with running quarterbacks um, when they burst out into the um, we saw them a long time ago with like with Randall Cunningham, Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick but these last 10 years it's been a whole other monster but as the NFL does it adjusts and they they adjust their defenses to be able to play these running quarterbacks. They have their quarterback spies and you see that towards the end of the seasons is Lamar Jackson starts his electricity starts to sizzle down a little bit because our defense the defense is in the league. Have adjusted correctly.
0: Yeah. Um, We'll have to see. We've been waiting for the Ravens to actually throw the ball for two years now. (laughs) 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 And they still haven't really opened it up. Uh, So, I don't know. But as far as their depth chart goes, Um, let's start (laughs) off I know this isn't that big of a deal but they do have a new backup quarterback Trace McSorley has been elevated from QB3 to QB2 after they didn't re-sign RG3 so I uh, did think about it um, but I might try to get Trace on the show if I can We'll have to see. I'll have to try to get in contact with him. But, yeah, Trace McSorley, I love it. He's sixth-round pick out of Penn State last year, or two years ago. And um, had to play last year a little bit once RG3 went down in the Steelers game. So, I don't know. Maybe if Lamar has to go to the bathroom again during a Browns game, we might see Trace McSorley. <laughs> couple new wide receivers for the Ravens Sammy Watkins coming over from the Chiefs Rashad Bateman the first round pick Um, I've never been a Sammy Watkins guy person <laughs> he just keeps making money though because uh, <laughs> of, of his speed yeah I agree I did trade for Marquise Brown last year. Um, did not do that well, and like I said, I'm still waiting on the stupid the Ravens to actually throw the ball, um, so I can have Marquise Brown utilized in fantasy. Uh-huh. It doesn't seem like Marquise Brown wants to be in Baltimore though anymore, unless he got that whole thing figured out. But as late in late in the season, that's not how it seemed he was he seemed pretty mad i'm a receiver i'm i'm gonna have to go into baltimore understanding
2: that i'm run blocking a good amount most of the time (laughs) you're not gonna be getting the ball that much because that that offense is lamar jackson and pounding the ball that's Mm it
1: i mean in their defense though they really haven't had the greatest receiving core but i mean they really addressed that this offseason with all their receiver acquisitions
0: yeah so. Sean
2: Bateman was a bad man at Minnesota so if he can just run up and get those high balls that'll be that'll help them out but
0: again I just don't think the volume is going to still be there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I think their their starters, you know, in a regular offense would be pretty solid but with the how much they run I uh, it's tough situation especially for a guy that I really like in Tylan Wallace out of Oklahoma State. I I thought he was a pretty solid mid-round selection for the Ravens, mm-hmm. especially because he's big and he's fast. So, <clears throat> But like I said, I, I don't think he'll be able to get on the field too much. If- Ravens
2: are going to have to start throwing it though, because that's what we see the last few years in playoffs. Is if if they don't build that lead right away, then they're screwed because they that that's how they're the best on their offense is by running the ball. But if you fall in a hole early, you got to throw your way out of it, and mm-hmm. that's what's been their kryptonite the last mm-hmm. few years.
0: And this is where the whole running quarterback Lamar Jackson thing comes into play. You know, people questioned him when he came out. Th- about his passing, could he actually win the game with his arm? And like you just said, Sean, they haven't been able to do that in the mm-hmm. when it counted in the postseason. So, but, I mean,
1: how how good is Nick uh, Sorley's arm? Is he does he have a good arm? No, no.
0: his arm is not. Uh, he does not have a cannon at all. Uh, okay. So- <laughs>
1: They can't even do that. I was gonna. What? I was gonna say maybe they should do what like the Saints did last year when they needed a big play. They brought in Winston for a play, and he threw a bomb like sixty or whatever yards. The problem
2: with that though is if you're bringing in a quarterback with a big arm, the defense is all of a sudden they're gonna play back because they mm-hmm. know he's in for a reason. So
0: I would probably say Tyler Huntley has the biggest arm on that in that quarterback room with the three quarterbacks there. Um, but yeah, the reason why Trace McSorley is the backup is because. Or at least the reason why I like Trace McSorley is he's tough. He's a competitor. And he is better suited to run, like, QB power and stuff more than Lamar Jackson because Trace is bulky and big. Trace is the kind like, I've, I've said this multiple times before. Trace McSorley is the kind of running quarterback that I like. Bulky. Uh, you know, like 230, 240, Cam Newton style. Even though Trace isn't as tall as Cam, but you know,
2: even those big ones though. Look how injured Cam Newton's been the last few years. You got to protect with those big guys. You got to make sure you protect them from themselves.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Lamar's not the type of running quarterback that I like, though. He's pretty skinny. Can. You know, get snapped like that. So, <laughs> and I, 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 know it hasn't happened yet, and I, I, it's not good for the league if it if it would happen. But I still say, Lamar is so comparable to RG three. All it takes is one bad hit, and he's done. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, he's been proving, proving us wrong, though, and I, I won't be surprised if he proves us wrong again. Yeah. Uh, let's see who else do we want to talk about on the offense Ronnie Stanley coming back from injury at left tackle this year we'll see how he plays if he can return to form like he was prior Uh, Alejandro Villanueva coming over from Pittsburgh as the new right tackle Again, we'll have to see because he's switching positions from left tackle to right tackle, so
1: Yeah, but I feel like I mean, I was never an offensive lineman or anything, but I definitely feel like switching from left to right is a lot easier than if he was switching from right to left. Especially with a right handed quarterback. I mean Because you don't it's not the blind side.
0: Yeah, but it's just any time you're switching from one side of the offensive line to the other, it takes a little bit to learn because you have to entirely switch your feet um you know because you're left tackle your right foot's forward if you're right tackle your left foot's forward mm-hmm. um so that's
2: a whole mirror thing you got to do it's it's a lot of guys do it sometimes it just takes a few weeks and they're good but it'll definitely be something to see
0: yeah i think their interior is the same um I don't remember Bradley Bozeman starting at center, though. That doesn't only sound thing. familiar to me. Was Patrick McCarry the center last year? I, I don't remember who their center was last year. Um, but ba- Bradley Bozeman might be a new starter as well at the pivot. But I'm not entirely sure. Is Kevin Zeitler new as well? Did he come over from the Giants, or was that last year?
2: Nah, he's a he'll be new this year, coming from the Giants.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, they they just like Pittsburgh have some new new linemen, but um, more established names than than what Pittsburgh has on their offensive line. So.
2: And what helps them out is Lamar's running ability. It's going to open up holes uh, in itself. So. Just like how the receivers might not like playing in Baltimore, running backs will
1: love it.
0: Yeah, and they they definitely have some some good names um, backing up their their line there. I don't. Andre Smith is still somehow playing. <laughs> <laughs> that man's old. <laughs> so he's still the backup left tackle. Uh, you got Ben Bredesen there, draft pick out of Michigan. McCarry, like I said, has played for them before. Ben Powers, also pretty solid at the guard spot. So, yeah, they're, they're, they'll be really good on the offensive line once again, I believe. And Ben Cleveland, he's new as well. Why didn't I think about that? They have four, three or four new starters. Ben Cleveland, yes. Georgia boy. I'll tell you I was, the, I think I a very underrated be. pick was Ben Cleveland.
1: Yeah. I would definitely rather be the Ravens offensive line than the Steelers. That's all I know. <laughs> ben Cleveland's <laughs> that, a that is, I agree with that
2: one.
3: <laughs>
2: I think the offensive lines are what tell the story of the AFC North. You have the two teams who have the line, which is Baltimore and Cleveland, and then you have the two who don't, Pittsburgh and Cincy. Mm-hmm.
0: Ben Cleveland's a road grader. He'll, he'll definitely help with the run game there. Um, I forgot to say, also, talk about fullbacks. Because is Patrick Ricard actually going to win the job at fullback or not? They drafted Ben Mason this year. Uh, so it's kind of, again, like when you draft a specialized position. Yeah. Does that yeah, more automatically...
1: than likely, the drafted player is going to win.
0: So... <laughs>
1: But Although think, Ricard is an established veteran in the league, so I
0: don't know. Yeah, it looks like... Ricard
1: loses that. He's going to be picked up very quickly.
0: hmm Yeah, it looks like Patrick Ricard's coming off an injury because it has him as questionable on ESPN, so I don't really recall what his issue was last year. Defensively for Baltimore, whole new pass rush. They lost Matt Judon. They lost Yannick Ngakoue. So, it is going to be, right now anyways, on ESPN, Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee. Pernell McPhee has been with the Ravens before. I'm not so sure they don't just hand it over to their young guys. Jalen Ferguson, Odafe Owey, are the backups right now at the outside linebacker spots. I would have more confidence in those two than I... Well, Pernell McPhee not bad, but Tyus Bowser has never been in a starting role, so I'm not sure how he will perform playing all 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 17 games.
2: Well, what I mean, like about know. Baltimore's pass rush is that they have a lot of names who can get to the quarterback. So you will, even these older guys, you can spell them and only have them play a few snaps every game so they have their full energy to get to the quarterback. So I think they have the depth there, which is really going to help them. Rather than uh, maybe not having one established guy who will get double-digit sacks, they'll have a few guys who can get maybe five to seven sacks a year, which is what you want.
1: Yeah, but I mean Russ, you kind of touched on it, but like the young guys I think will get plenty of playing time, but the the ESPN depth start I mean, at least for this position, this specific instance, I don't really believe it um, because I think that both of the positions are up for grabs essentially I mean, you said they lost their two starters, so now now the two positions, I think that they weren't going to give the rookies the positions right away. I think they're trying to get the rookies to earn it, even though I think they are the front-runners as it is. But uh, the only thing I am a little concerned with, with Upway, though, is that he didn't have a sack last year with Penn State. So I don't don't really know, like, if it was all because he just couldn't get to the quarterback or I don't know the whole situation there. You might know it better because you're a Penn State fan, but...
0: Yeah, he's, you know, that was the big thing with him coming into the draft was that Shaka Tony had the sacks, Owe didn't, but Owe had more physical tools that put his potential higher than Shaka Tony's.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think sacks are the entire story for college to pro because you also look at it, they have another pass rusher, Jalen Ferguson, coming out of Louisiana Tech. I, I believe he's like the college football leader for sacks in a season and yet here he is, he's still not showing those 20 plus sacks here, you know, so I don't think sack numbers necessarily move over to tell how good of a pro you're going to be.
0: Yeah, Jalen Ferguson, second year guy, Chris, second year guy. <laughs> uh, but I, think, I believe Jalen Ferguson actually might be the all-time leader in sacks. Not exactly sure. I know it's 47 and a half in his career that he has. So I he might be the all-time leader in NCAA sacks in a career. But, yeah. Like I said, I think it would benefit Baltimore to let Odafe Owe, Jalen Ferguson, be the starters and have the vets come off the bench, especially Tyus Bowser. Like I said, Tyus Bowser's never been a starter. He's always come off the bench. So I think that he would be very comfortable in that role. Yeah, because the D-line didn't change much. Uh, inside linebackers didn't change either. LJ Ford, Patrick Queen's still there. Secondary also didn't change that I know of. You know, they added Sean Wade. That was really it. So... And Mm -hmm. they have one of the best secondaries in the league, so... Yeah. All right. Fantasy-wise... Lamar. What are y'all doing with, with Lamar? I mean... I took a
1: chance on him last year and he performed, but I took a chance on him pretty early, which then led me to lose out on some other players. I think I'd rather go with those other players over Lamar and get a mid-tier quarterback. Um, But yeah, if somebody's going to, he's going to be probably the second or third quarterback off the board.
2: Yeah, I think Lamar. He's still in that first tier uh, quarterbacks fantasy wise, just because of his running ability. Um, And it's not like he can't throw the ball. He's gonna get his touchdowns throwing the ball too. So, personally, if if you want to get one of those top tier quarterbacks, grab Lamar. But I'm like Chris. I'm rather gonna. I want to build up on those receivers and running backs and get a quarterback later in the draft.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, Yeah. Go go ahead. Go ahead, ahead. Rusty. No, you're good.
3: Oh, okay. I was gonna say I like Lamar Jackson too. I think, and I think too, it just kind of depends on like what type of quarterback you really like. If you really like the running quarterback, or you like the one who's gonna who's gonna throw deep, or who's gonna be that guy who's gonna be gonna gonna be that reliable just throw uh, pass guy. But like, I think it, I think Lamar, he is he is definitely elite. Um, I would take. If it was up to me, I would take him. Uh, Of all the quarterbacks uh, right now in the league, I would take him, if I had a choice, I would take take him third.
0: Yeah, I I have never been a big Lamar Jackson fan. Um, I would, when you're talking about running quarterbacks in the league, I would rather have Josh Allen, who's in a more pass-friendly offense, and Josh also runs the ball. Um, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, I think are comparable, even though Justin Herbert isn't thought of as and necessarily an elite fantasy quarterback yet.
1: Keyword is yet. I think that difference is do you want a quarterback who runs before they throw or do you want the
2: quarterback who can throw and run? So I think you're saying like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert, they would go into that ladder category. They can run if you need them to, but they're going to try to light you on fire through their arm. Further.
0: Yeah, but, they're, but they also like they get more running fantasy points than the majority of the other quarterbacks. That's why I put them in that – I guess not running quarterback, mobile quarterback category. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think Russell Wilson would throw um, would fall into that as well. Yeah. Those guys that were mobile; they can throw. Um, would it you say that J.K. Dobbins is probably the gem to get on this Ravens offense fantasy wise?
0: Yes, he is. He is probably. I don't even know where he's going to go this year because I'm not sure a lot of normal fantasy players that don't research too much into it know the situation in Baltimore. You know, that Mark Ingram's gone. JK really doesn't have guys behind him that are going to get fed a lot. The only issue is. Is that I would be scared with JK's touchdown numbers. Because they did re-sign Gus Edwards and Gus the Bus is named Gus the Bus for a reason. He's gonna be their short yardage back and he's gonna to get touches in the red zone. So
2: Great point you bring up about the the touchdowns with uh, with Edwards. So would you would you wanna get JK as your running back two then or would you think you think he still has
0: running back one value? If you can get him as your RB2, I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, he was, when I was looking at Fantasy Pros, because Fantasy Pros is just, they have amazing dynasty tools on Fantasy Pros. I'm just going to throw that out there. Little promo for Fantasy Pros. Um, but, uh, they always put out, like, guys to go get right now, and guys to trade right now, as far as what while we're rolling through the off season here, and You know, you're trying to get your dynasty trades in and set before your rookie drafts. Um, And J.K. was on their list to go get. So I tried. I don't recall if I got him or not. I don't think I did. I I put in an offer to someone, and they rejected it. But um, another guy I did get, though, was, was Tua. Um, I got Tua, and I also got Cooper Cup this offseason as well. It was uh, pretty solid trades. But yeah, I, I like J.K., though. Definitely a solid option. If you have to reach for him, it's not a bad thing. So, and I would always take running backs over wide receivers any day.
2: That's an interesting conversation, maybe for another time, about running backs versus receivers. Because I used to be just like that. Oh, running backs, boom, 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 go first, and then I don't know, receivers with has as much as the balls being thrown nowadays. I don't know. I it not go either way. Mm-hmm. With, J- with J.K. Dobbins, I think his sweet spot is if you're if you're doing like a uh, draft and you're at the end of round one. You get best player available round one and then try to get jk at the very top of the second that's that
0: yeah i think the the running back wide receiver thing is the issue that i have with taking wide receivers over running backs is that especially now the amount of mm-hmm. quality running backs is so depleted uh, as because there's so many teams that are going to committee styles. It's hard to differentiate which guys are going to produce on those committees. So you, you got to try to go get guys that you know are going to get carries.
2: Uh-huh. And I think that's talking about Najee Harris earlier. I think that's where he has a lot of his value is he's going to be the, the workforce.
0: Yeah. Wide receiver wise, we already kind of touched on this earlier. I'm not taking anyone. I'm I'm not doing it. Uh-uh. Marquise is probably gonna be drafted. Sammy Watkins also probably going to get drafted. Rashad Bateman might at the end of the draft, but
1: in the deeper leagues maybe, but I don't I don't know.
2: I think of anyone, Rashad Bateman or like Tylan Wallace, these rookies who haven't a- Done shown anything yet, those would be the guys to take a swing on, like, maybe last two rounds of the draft, or in those deeper leagues, if you're going to take a Ravens receiver. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, it's tough. But I'll let Chris go now, because we're on to his guy. Chris is an absolute Mark Andrews fan.
1: Yes, fan I love boy. Mark Andrews, because when the ball is thrown in Baltimore, it's normally to Mark Andrews. So, he is the number one target there for Baltimore and he is a big red zone threat. So in fantasy, he's, I'd say top five tight end at the Mm. least. Uh, but yeah, I, I've always been a big Mark Andrews fan.
0: And like we talked about on the NFC East show on Friday, Mark Andrews is definitely one of the top contenders that is trying to get to that third spot after Kittle and Kelsey to replace where Zach Ertz used to be. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I'd have Andrews number four. Um, obviously, Kittle and Kelsey are 1A, one, one 1B. One but Darren Waller, just because of the – Chris, it's a good point. When Baltimore does throw, it usually does go Mark Andrews' way, especially in the red zone but just the quantity of times that Las Vegas throws. And I think that's why I think I'd give Darren Waller, I guess, the 2A to 2B distinction over Mark Andrews. But Mark Andrews is definitely tier one tight end. If you can get him, get him. If, if you lose out on him, then wait till the end. Get one of those tight ends at the end. All
0: right. Um, let's go to... Baltimore defense, I think it's and going to be another solid year in Baltimore defensively. <clears throat> um, I don't know why in my mind they just have – they just last year weren't, you know, top tier. I don't know. That's probably wrong because just, you know, looking at what they have – they should have been good but I don't know exact. I didn't I don't know where they ranked. they ended up last year but
1: they're probably like second uh, quarter of the league there like probably between like eight and 16. Um, but yeah I don't know if I'm gonna take them this year or not. you we mentioned their losses uh, earlier with Matt Judon who was one of the best outside linebackers in football. And uh, they also lost Yannick Ngakwe, who was one of the best pass rushers in football. Um, So, I mean, I know they still have that great secondary, but I don't know if the secondary is going to be enough to uh, hold down the the defense. I mean, I still would possibly draft them as maybe my second defense, or if I was doing a committee type thing with my defenses, I would draft them, but I don't think I'd have them as my every day, every week defense.
2: I actually think Baltimore's defense um, is right neck and neck with Pittsburgh I think those two teams are going to have top five defenses this year. So if you're one to grab your defense early in the draft, typically what I notice is once the first defense goes, it's kind of like everyone's trying to grab the top few defenses. So if Baltimore's going first, Pittsburgh's going right after, or vice versa.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I I don't know why in my mind just last year they did not – to me that I remember seem like they were up there in terms of the top defenses. Like I said, I'm probably wrong. But looking at their schedule versus the defense, though, they play a lot of teams that are going to throw the ball, which bears well for their secondary because they have a good one. You know, you got Vegas, you got Kansas City. The Colts, I'm not really sure... Exactly how many times Carson's going to throw the ball, but you know we'll see. L.A. is going to throw the ball. With both <laughs> both L.A. teams are going to throw the ball, so uh, cool. Dolphins probably will throw the ball as well. I would think. Not really sure, and then the the Packers, even though they're multiple multiple options with Aaron Jones, but. Yeah, I, I think they will be top five at the very worst. Um, so, And Justin Tucker now. Interesting case for Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. Did not have the greatest season last year.
1: Probably his worst in his career.
0: Yeah, was always considered for the last, like, three years. Number one kicker. You got to go get Justin Tucker. <laughs> and I think that bears well, though, for people waiting this year. I think people might see that last year and, like, take a step back, and he won't go as the number one kicker. So I don't think he's
2: going to go as the number one kicker when you got Young Way Koo in town.
0: <laughs> no. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's – He's definitely kind of fallen out. Even without last year, there were still kickers like Harrison Bucker with Kansas City and Will Lutz with New Orleans. And, I mean... Come
0: on, throw him uh, out. Your division, Chris, throw him out there. I know you want to. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, Jason Sanders, Jason with, Sanders. Uh,
0: <laughs> with Miami. I
1: mean, I still think that... that uh. Tucker will be a serviceable kicker, but, yeah, I don't think he's the, one of the top ones anymore.
2: For me, I, I, I'm curious what you guys think of this kicker strategy. I Because I tend to go kicker late, late in the draft, but I try to go for a kicker as long as it's not, like, someone who's very insanely unreliable, but a kicker who's typically with an offense who scores a lot because then you're guaranteed those extra points. You know, even if it's four or five points again uh, uh, for every matchup, that's four or five points guaranteed. Well,
1: well that's <laughs> that. That's why Bucker is probably number one because Kansas City scores so much.
0: I think there's, I think there's, two, I think there's two strategies when it comes to kickers, regardless of where you draft them. The first one, like John said, go with a kicker that's on a high-scoring offense, gonna get a lot of opportunities. To Mostly extra points. But I would also say another strategy is look deeper into it, into the team's offenses. Go with a team that has not been good in the red zone. You're going to get a ton of field goal opportunities, which can accumulate very quickly, like Jason Uh Sanders got last year. Because the Dolphins were not the best team in the red zone, and Jason Sanders got a ton of forty and fifty yard opportunities last year, which made him the number one fantasy kicker. So
2: what oh. you're saying is if Mark Andrews is this good in the red zone, avoid Justin Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm drafting Justin Tucker this year. I I like I said, I like Jason Sanders. I like uh couple other guys. Chris's guy, Mike Badgley.
1: Uh, I mean, he was probably the worst kicker last year, but I hope he has bounced back.
0: All right. Cleveland Brown time here. The team that I will lead to a Super Bowl as the GM. Just saying, <laughs> Cleveland. I got you. Uh, let's go Chris to start on schedule (laughs) um
1: yeah I mean they uh they're kind of an interesting team to me because obviously they had their best season possibly ever last year um but I mean that was a one year thing we haven't seen them do it consistently yet so we don't really know what we're gonna get from them this year um but i don't know i still think that they they still might be that third team in the division though they still have to get past the steelers and the ravens i mean the steelers might be a little bit easier to get past because of their aging roster and all that and they're changing the guard with them but for uh let let me just see the schedule here now so week one they have an immediately tough matchup there with the chiefs going and it's in kansas city so i think that he lose that one uh week two they host the texans which i think is an easy win especially if watson doesn't play um then they host the bears week three i think that's a win as well uh so they'd be two and one at that point then going out to minnesota i think that's a really interesting matchup and uh i don't know i think that that one's going to be a tough game for them and i think they lose that one going out to minnesota and then they go out to L.A. and i think they lose that one too so they'd be two and three at that point come home against the cardinals and i think they win that one only because it's at home uh and i mean we saw it last year with the cardinals the cardinals had a really good team but they still only finished eight and eight so i think that they're still an average team despite all their uh additions um then they host the broncos and they win that one uh, I think the Steelers come in and beat them in the next game. Then they go to Cincinnati, and I think the Browns win. The Another really interesting game for them here is against New England. In New England, though. So I think they lose that one. Uh, then they come home to host the Lions, and I think they win that one. Go to Baltimore. I think they lose that one on Sunday night. Um, And then they have their buy and then they host baltimore again but i think they the bye week helps them and i think they were they will be able to and then they uh host the raiders and i think that they would win that one then they go to green bay and lose that one they go to pittsburgh and lose that one and then they finish off the year with a win so that would be i think let's see one two three four uh five six seven eight yeah so i think they'd go eight and nine if i number that correctly
0: so nine and
1: eight i thought i counted eight wins but maybe nine uh, i don't know eight and
0: nine yeah all right um I have them at ten and seven, <laughs> just like Pittsburgh and Baltimore. The difference is there is that they go three and three in the division and finish third place once again. Um, but I have them losing to Kansas City week one. Then they beat the Texans, beat the Bears. They lose at Minnesota, lose at the Chargers. Um, come home and win all three. They beat the Cardinals, Broncos, and Steelers. They lose in Cincinnati. They beat the Patriots, beat the Lions, beat the Ravens in Baltimore. And then, coming out of the bye, they lose at home to the Ravens. Beat the Raiders in Vegas, lose to the Packers in Cleveland, lose to the Steelers in Cleveland. Or, lose to the Packers in Green Bay and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And then they beat the Bengals at home. So, yeah, 10 and 7, splitting all three in the division. So, I think
2: I'm much higher on the Browns than all of you. I actually have them going 13 and 4, and I think they're pushing for the one seed in AFC. I think. The first game with Cleveland and Kansas City, I think that might be a very big determinant in who gets that number one seed. I think you guys are – I still think they lose, but I think it's a very close game, and I don't think people are going to give Cleveland – I think that game, even if they lose, Cleveland's going to be put on the map if they're not already on the map for everyone. thing is, Cleveland did have a breakout year last year, but you look at their roster, it got even better. They brought in a very underrated safety, John Johnson – to just help secure that secondary. Plus the secondary is getting healthy with Denzel Ward. So I, I think Cleveland, I think they can take this. They can win the Super Bowl this year, honestly. So going through the schedule, I do think they ultimately moved to Patrick Mahomes because it's Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, you give Andrew Reid a whole offseason to prepare for you. I don't think anyone's going to win, but they're going to give a fight. Uh, I think their first loss is to Minnesota. Also, I agree with you guys there just because they have Dalvin cook. And if, Cleveland's one, I would say their biggest weakness would be in the interior defensive line, so teams might be able to run the ball on them, especially if they have a workhorse like Dalvin Cook. So I'd say that's their first loss of the year. You go through, I think they beat L.A. They're going to win all three of these home games against Arizona, Denver, Pittsburgh. Uh, They're going to go to Cincinnati and beat them, beat New England, beat uh, Detroit. So that's one win going in. What is this? I don't know what week that is, but they only have one loss. I think they split with Baltimore. Again, Baltimore, great running team. That's their weakness. So they're going to split there. And then I think they end up losing to Green Bay. And then um, as much, I know earlier I said I think the Steelers might get swept, but just because it's divisional foe, divisional teams always fight each other hard. So I I can't – now that I'm looking into it, I think Cleveland might end up losing their fourth game to Pittsburgh, whether it be the first game or the second game. So I have them going 13-4 and four and winning the
0: division. Oh. Aaron, your thoughts
3: on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I'm, I'm kind of on the, I'm kind of with John on this. I think that they will be the top in the AFC North just because I think I, I mean, yeah. Last year, last year seemed almost like it was like their first real big winning season. Oh my gosh, almost twenty years, their best record I think so something closer they made it that far in the past 20 years it's Been that well for them. But I think I, I agree with John. I, I'm, I don't give them as high as a record, but I give them at least, uh, 11 and six or, um, uh, I, I would be like, uh, given the 12 wins. I think it comes down to, um, just the adages. They, like you said, like John said, if they're adding onto this year, they did get better. And I think if, uh, mayfield can still produce the same way he has been i think they can definitely a lot of people can look at them as a good uh deep playoff uh, seed team
2: and i think a big thing that a lot of people bring up is that odell beckham without odell beckham that their offense is better and i think what people aren't giving credit to is that baker mayfield got better as the season went along. This was his first year under Kevin Stefanski. So he's learning a brand new offense again. So naturally, you saw this with Tom Brady. He got better as the season went on. Baker Mayfield Mayfield got better as the season went on. So if you add an Odell Beckham, as long as Odell Beckham's not over there barking, asking for the ball every single play, if Odell Beckham comes in and realizes that he can be a part of a great team, then I think their offense is gonna take another jump up because Odell Beckham's, Odell Beckham for a reason. He's
1: a great player. No no, but like I said, the only reason I'm kind of skeptical about the Browns, like I, I agree with you guys. I think they have the potential to be that that great of a team, but I'm just skeptical because of their history. They are historically a really bad team I mean they had I they had the best season ever pretty much last year. So I don't know I'm, I'm still a little hesitant to be on the Browns bandwagon.
2: That's a good point, Chris. I think a big thing that's hurt Cleveland for the longest time is they had zero confidence.
1: You
0: know, yeah.
2: every single year, oh, they're the Browns, they're the Browns. Who cares if the roster looks awesome? <laughs> it's the Browns, you know? But I think that win in Pittsburgh last year in the playoffs, is that, that erased all of that. And now that they're walking into the season with all the confidence in the world. To
1: but be fair, though, they hard. didn't win that game. Pittsburgh lost that game.
0: This is true. Hey, a win's a win. (laughs) Yeah,
3: I I agree. Like it's definitely it has to come down to the confidence with the Browns because like for the longest time they've been just the worst team in the NFL. I mean it's I mean, whether it's they were the worst or they were the second worst, they've always been in that contention for the worst team. And it's been that way, oh my gosh, since the late nineties now. So it's it's been that long since it's been that way. And I think um, with the players they have, it kind of rejuvenates their not only their office but also their fan base too. And I think that plays a big part too. Like, I feel bad for Browns fans uh, in the past, but I think with with the players they have, it kind of will rejuvenate that love of the Browns that you used to
2: see in Cleveland. I think a big part is now that we're going to be having fans back in the stands. I, I think this season yeah. coming is going to be one of the craziest amazing best seasons ever just because the fans are coming back to the stands and we're, we're ready for some good football and like you said cleveland's they've been wanting a good team for a long time that they, they the browns have been terrible my entire life i was born in 99 so they've been terrible literally my entire life so cleveland is going to be rocking and they're going to be winning and they're they're gonna they're gonna be in the fight
0: um Yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm just skeptical because, you know, the division is good. Um, but the Browns, or the, the Ravens and the Steelers, both very solid defenses. I think that's what makes it tough for Baker Mayfield. You know, Cleveland's defense has to prove that they're better this year or else they won't, you know, they won't have a chance against the Chiefs. Uh, the Chargers are throwing a lot. Um, you know, the, the Steelers, the, the Raiders, the Packers, those are teams that I see that are really going to throw the ball a lot. The Bengals as well. Joe Burrow coming back. Um, so... That's where I think the the Cleveland defense has to prove that they can they can do it. I I think I think
2: you they did have some holes in that defense and they they shaped up very well in this offseason, Like I said, bringing in John Johnson, You're able to get Greg Newsom out of Northwestern coming at corner, and then you also have your guys getting help. You got Grant Dunlap coming back from injury. You also have Denzel Ward coming back from injury. So I think. That's the key. If they can stay healthy, that secondary, I think, will be able to compete along with those those potent passing offenses. Um, and especially, it's going to be hard to throw the ball when you got Miles Garrett coming at you and Jadavion Clowney on the other side. So, right, I'm excited. I'm excited for Cleveland. I I, I want to speak it into an existence.
0: <laughs> well, like I said, they they're not allowed to win a championship until I'm the GM there. So. <laughs> Uh, Oh, okay, so you
2: want them to lose enough so you can get hired on, and then they win.
0: Okay, I got you. I want want to win them their first one. I I can guarantee I can do it. Uh, As far as new pieces on the Browns, uh, well, you got Odell coming back, like we said. We'll see. (laughs) Can he actually play 17 games? It was, you know, 16 games. Now he's got to play an extra game. <laughs> so, can Odell play all 17 is the question. <laughs> but I think, you know, they're set up for him to not. You know, Rashard Higgins had a career year when while Odell was out last year. Donovan Peoples-Jones also developed pretty well. And then they just drafted speedster Anthony Schwartz this year out of Auburn, so I don't know if, if you guys have anything about Odell. I mean, I don't
1: know. Odell's... I feel like Odell's the kind of receiver that he has, like, a couple flashy games and scores like over 20 fantasy points, but then the rest of the season he doesn't score more than ten. Like, I feel like he's like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of wide receivers.
2: <laughs> I think I think OBJ in terms of fantasy, I I I'd, I'd avoid him just because of what you're saying, Chris. I, I I don't like those players where you never know when their big game's gonna be. Just because I always end up getting bit in the butt and bench them on that week that they go crazy. So I, I I like those um. I'm more like to I'd like to go get Jarvis Landry instead of OBJ a little more consistent
0: Um, let's see what else Uh, Janovich isn't new is he Andy Janovich didn't he come from Denver did he this year or was it last year yeah, it was last year, or at least it said. I can never, I never understand ESPN because it says twenty to twenty twenty to current, so I would think he played last year for the Browns.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Twenty twenty was his first year then in Cleveland.
0: Yes, because he did. It does show him, even though he didn't get carries. It does show on his profile that played against the Steelers in the divisional round. So, um, or the wild card, whatever it was. Uh, let's see, what else new on. Nothing else new on offense. So, defense, though, they made a lot of changes. Like you said, Jadavian Clowney. They also brought Malik Jackson in from the Eagles uh, to go alongside Andrew Billings in the middle there. Drafted Tommy Togiye this year. Really liked him coming out of Ohio State. Um, they they brought in Tack McKinley, uh, just putting a flyer out on him, three times a Raider or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, something to, like that. <laughs> he tried to get on the Raiders multiple times. Uh, so, I, Clowny, I don't think that's an upgrade over Olivier Vernon. I don't. Mm. He hasn't proven anything in his entire career. He hasn't proven anything as being a number one overall pick. Forget he's a
2: number one overall pick, and just look at his pressures. Just look at his pressures. He gets he doesn't take the quarterback down necessarily, but he, he disrupts the pocket. And I think, has he ever, remind me if I'm wrong, has he ever played opposite of a, of a, a talent like Miles Garrett? He, he's always been the number one edge rusher, right?
0: Well, he played with JJ Watt. You're right,
2: you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh no, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. In Houston he was at linebacker though. So, was he yeah. always rushing the passer in every single spot or they they're having him play a little different there?
0: I believe he was he had a, a 3-4. Yeah, they ran 3-4 in Houston, so I believe he was pass rush most of the time anyways. I don't know. I just he he oh, did oh. not do much in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's going to do much in Cleveland. Even though he is again he is opposite of Miles Garrett, who's great. But
1: yeah, I, I mean I don't know with uh, with a guy like Clowny, like we said, he doesn't get the sack numbers, but I think that him disrupting the pocket and getting a little attention towards him might actually help Miles Garrett's numbers. But uh, I think like their signings on defense is also a reason why I don't really like the Browns this year because they did a lot of patchwork with Clowney and Malik Jackson and Tack McKinley. Those are all short-term like band-aid fixes for that defense. So I don't know. I didn't really like it.
0: Yeah. And the, the issue is also is that Miles Garrett plays on the left side. So Clowney's gonna go against the left tackles. That's also a problem. I think. Mm. Even with Miles Garrett most likely getting double teamed, Clowney against what's supposed to be the best player on an offensive line in the left tackle. Mm. Granted, the one thing I will say, Clowney has a major opportunity is that the Browns are playing a third place schedule. Yeah. And the teams that they're playing don't really have the best left tackles. Uh, but,
1: I mean, the the division placement only really affects three games, though. I mean, it only affects, like, the two other divisions that they're not playing in the AFC and then whatever division that they are playing in the NFC.
2: Three games can be a big difference, though, because I believe yeah. Tampa Tampa Bay had a third-place schedule last year. So I I think those a lot of times every year you see teams who make that very big jump. And I'm curious what the correlation would be if it being a third place schedule or even a fourth place schedule. Like I think the chargers might have a big jump as well in that same way. They're going to have an easier schedule now. And now they're hopefully getting people back from injury. I think Cleveland's their biggest thing is if their secondary can stay healthy, um, their defense in general, I think, um, a big addition that was brought in was Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. They just got a steal in the second round. He's kind of that tweener. So I'm curious. I think they, uh, Rusty, do you see what they they have him on the depth chart at? Is it linebacker or are they going to put him in a safety? or?
0: Yeah, JOK is at Will right now. He I,
2: I'm very intrigued by, by him. He should have been, I think, a top 20 pick. There is a... Um, a heart issue that came up last second. So in my opinion, I think they got two first round picks um, in the first two rounds.
0: Yeah. I think, let me see, cause I'm just getting confused on these bios when I'm trying to see if they were already on the Browns or not. Yeah. Okay. So anything that says 2020 for the Browns that, or any team that means they're on the team for the first time. Because I was just wondering about another linebacker there. They have two new starters then, since that's the case. J.O.K. as a rookie. Anthony Walker coming over to be the middle linebacker from Indianapolis was was pretty solid in Indy. Uh, Anthony Walker is a tackling machine, though, even though J.O.K. can also fly around. But... Linebacking core is relatively young. Uh, with Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, Anthony Walker, and also Sioni Takitaki, I believe this will be his first year as a starter. So, unfortunately, last year he had a great play against my Eagles with a pick six of Carson Wentz. Um, but, <laughs> secondary. John already said it. John Johnson coming over from L.A. Fantastic signing there. Pair with Ronnie Harrison. Uh, is this, this is his second year? Again, I I never know because... I think Ronnie Harrison did. No, it was a mid-season season. trade
2: last year from Jacksonville.
0: Okay. But, yeah, so... This will be Ronnie Harrison's first full starting season in Cleveland. We'll see. Ronnie Harrison was hyped coming out. Had injury issues in Jacksonville. Got traded, so... But I don't know why he's the starter necessarily, though, when they have Grant Delpit from last year uh, coming off injury. Second-round pick from last season. Mm-hmm. So I would expect... Delpit and Johnson to be the starters, not Harrison and Johnson. Uh Do you think any any of
2: those safeties would be able to move over to nickel also? Because they also have Richard LeCount. They have have pretty good safeties. Do you think any of them would be able to go out to nickelback?
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as right now, anyways, it doesn't look like LeCount would make the team. Um, He's listed as the fourth string strong safety. But they—the thing is—they already have a solid group of corners: Denzel Ward, Troy Hill, who's another Ram, uh, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, their first-round pick this year, as well as M.J. Stewart and A.J. Green as well. So, yeah, I'm not even sure LeCount makes the team unless he's, unless he gets elevated and is that fourth safety, if they. But he's also fighting against a vet guy and Sheldrick Redwine um, that I can see making it as the fourth safety as well because I know Redwine plays a lot of special teams. So, uh-huh.
2: LeCount was a fifth round pick. So if he, I mean, this is a good problem to have, right? Depth. You guys, you have guys fighting for roster spots.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely love Richard LeCount, like Georgia boy. So you know, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if he necessarily makes a team. But I would also switch the starters, even though I said Grant Delpit in. To me, I, I feel like John Johnson is a strong safety and Grant Delpit's a free safety. Because Grant Delpit is listed as the backup to John Johnson at free safety. But I feel like John Johnson's more of that headhunter box guy that can help the run run defense, and Grant Delpit's more the coverage guy. So, let's see how it shakes out. But There's also a kicking battle going to be happening in Cleveland this offseason. Cody Parkey, Chase McLaughlin. I think Chase McLaughlin will win that battle. Uh, Cody Parkey had a really good bounce-back season last year (laughs) Um, after bouncing around a little bit since the double doink with the bears in the 2018 playoffs. Um, but you know, I, I, I really like chase McLaughlin. He was solid when he played for the Colts. Uh, also played for the Niners a little bit. And I don't think he, I don't think he was anywhere last year. Just looking at his bio, since that's the only way I can tell. Oh wait, Chris—he was with the Jets. <laughs> Last he he
1: signed <laughs> with them for a couple games, but apparently he uh, didn't stick with them. Which I don't know why.
0: Well, because they have Sam Ficken. That's why. <laughs> mm. So excited. Uh, but, yeah, I like I said, I, I really like Chase McLaughlin. and I, I think he has the stuff to, to beat Cody Parkey in a kicking contest. All right, fantasy-wise for the Browns, now Baker Mayfield is an intriguing fantasy option. Mid-tier for me, though.
1: Yeah, I think for me, I'd... If I were the last team to pick a quarterback, maybe I'd pick him as my starter. But I don't know. I I think I'd rather have him as my backup than my everyday starter.
2: I think Baker Mayfield falls into that category of like late round quarterback who's not insanely mobile. Is, he'll he'll do all right. He's not going to hurt you, but he's not necessarily going to win you matchup. So I think Baker Mayfield will fall into that like late round category. Like I think Chris had it right. Like backup or maybe like
0: last starter picked that range mm-hmm. yeah no thanks.
3: yeah i agree I, yeah. oh go ahead rusty no you're good oh i was gonna say i agree with baker mayfield he's, he's great but i think he has still just a lot more um i, I would say he has a, a bit more time to grow into uh, a, a bigger quarterback that he can be and i think he can i think uh give him like a couple years yet he can still be one of the top tier quarterbacks in the nfl you just have to I think he just has to learn more. He has to train his skills more, and I think uh, being in Cleveland definitely helps that because they're a team who's looking to build upon um, and you and have him as the centerpiece to build upon.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest issue is, as far as fantasy goes, is that they run the ball very well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I wouldn't. Touch Baker Mayfield. I think I would actually take all three of the other division quarterbacks over him in fantasy. Even Big Ben. I don't know.
1: That's a tough one, but I mean, I think Ben will throw the ball more, but
0: I don't know. That's exactly why. Uh,
2: I will say I wouldn't be surprised if Baker Mayfield has a very big jump. Because remember, Josh Allen, before he became Josh Allen last year, was not in the conversation for MVP or one of the best top five quarterbacks. You know, I, I would not be surprised if Baker Mayfield makes that big jump in, in his second year under um, Kevin Stabansky's offense.
0: But like I said, Josh Allen can run the ball and get you fantasy points running. (laughs) This
2: is true. This is true.
0: All right. Let's go to the two headed monster at running back, Nick Chubb, Kareem hunt. I will let Chris talk about Nick Chubb because that is his (laughs) go-to fantasy name.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, just like Mark Andrews, I have him on my dynasty league team and, uh, he's been one of the anchors on my team for the last however many years now
0: say what your name is Chris I
1: don't even remember what my name is on that league right now
0: well what is the name that you
1: oh yeah, well yeah it's hot chub time machine because he is my <laughs> uh, he is my my centerpiece on my team he is my mascot and all that um, but yeah uh. It hurts his value a little bit having a guy like Kareem Hunt to pair him with, but he's definitely that bruiser back on that offense. He's the one that gets the ball when they need those yards. And, I mean, I think he's the goal line back as well. Um, so he is definitely the more valuable of the two running backs, although Kareem Hunt does – catch the ball out of the backfield more. So if you're looking more for the receiving back, I'd obviously go for him. But I don't know. I I just think Nick Chubb is definitely – I would put him in the conversation for definitely top ten. And I I could argue a case for him being a top five, but definitely top ten running back.
2: If I'm not in the top five picks and I get Nick Chubb, I'm celebrating. I'm popping a bottle because I'm happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if Nick Chubb is – going to go like he normally would this year I mean I haven't looked at the entire board with all players on it yet but usually Nick Chubb goes around 6th or 7th pick uh, which is usually pretty good value but I'm not so sure he doesn't he goes higher this year that's why I put this up possibly <laughs> Nick Chubb is in the top 3 I don't know But cream Hunt, I love cream Hunt. Uh, Like you said, Chris, catch, 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 catch. It's what he does in Cleveland pretty much. And he is probably one of the best RB2s you can get in fantasy. Mm -hmm.
2: I think Cleveland is one of the rare situations where there's still a running back committee kind of – like you said it's kind of sort of because they play very different roles in the offense so but in fantasy wise it's one of the rare cases where you you can put both of them on your starting um, offense and you'll be okay fantasy wise
0: yeah just do what uh, my my dude Russo likes to do or he used to I don't know if he still is going to do it anymore with the change up in the, in the New England backfield but <laughs> i I always told him like I hate Patriots running backs because they used so many, and you never know which ones are going to get the carries. And his response is always, well, just, you know, draft them all. <laughs> and then he can play them all together, and then you'll be all right. And that's what, you know, just just go get both Cleveland running backs and then play both of them every week. <laughs> All right, Uh, we already kind of talked about Odell. I don't know. I'm not too high on the receivers in fantasy, though. Jarvis is a wide receiver, too, for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really like either of the receivers, but, yeah, I would pick Jarvis over OBJ. Like I said before when we were talking about OBJ, He's just way too inconsistent, and you don't know when he's going to have those boom or bust games. So I would stay away from him, but he's probably going to go somewhere in the mid-rounds. I mean, because somebody's going to take a chance on him, but I would. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. Let someone else take OBJ,
2: and if, if you want to get a Cleveland receiver, get Jarvis at the later mid-to-late rounds. Um, I'd say right wide receiver two would be his ceiling. Uh, for me, I'd feel a little more comfortable having him on the bench and having him come in if he has a favorable matchup.
0: Unless you're our dynasty league that Chris and I are in, and we have three wide receiver starters. <laughs> that, that's a different story. <laughs> three wide receiver starters, three flex, baby. That's 11, 11 starters. That's how we roll in my <laughs> dynasty league that I run, so – Uh, tight ends. This is just a jumble in Cleveland for the second straight year because David Njoku is still there. Now, I don't even know why I'm bringing him up, but that is why it's still a jumble because he's still in the mix at the tight end spot. Austin Hooper is so-so. Didn't have the type of season the Browns thought he would coming over from Atlanta. I don't think they used him as well as they probably could have. Yeah. But there's also second-year guy in Harrison Bryant that took some catches away from Austin Hooper last year as well. So.
2: Yeah, I think there. it's kind of like a tight end by committee, if you can call it that. I, I wouldn't trust any one of them just because you don't know who's going to get the – Who's going to
1: get the ball in during the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as of right now, I wouldn't touch any of them. But they – I mean, if one of them might not be on the team by the start of the season. they One of them might be one of the surprise cuts of the, off, or of the preseason. So, I mean, until that happens, until there's one less guy there, I, I wouldn't go near them. Uh, but if I had to pick one, it would – Definitely be
0: Hooper. And Jokic is the only guy that would get released. Well, yeah, I know. Brian's on. His... I didn't want
1: to out him specifically, but I, <laughs> that's who I was basically talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, Brian's on his rookie contract, and Austin Hooper is on that big deal that he signed mm-hmm. last offseason. So,
2: and Jokic's been on the trade block for like it feels like <laughs> the last ten years.
0: He hasn't even been in the league for ten years. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Austin Hooper, though, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a bad thing. I I would be okay with him being my backup tight end, though. Uh Defense. We're back to the defense, though, for the Browns. So, I don't know. If if you're going to take a flyer on the defense as your backup defense, if you carry two. I know a lot of people don't carry two. I usually do if I can swing it. The Browns <clears throat> wouldn't be a terrible backup defense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I would not have them as my primary defense. That's that's for sure, but I also wouldn't mind having them as my backup defense. Although, I I don't know. I I think they're going to be second, like, bottom half of the league in defense, but they're going to be Towards the middle of the of the league, but they're going to be in the bottom half. I
2: think I'm in the minority here again. I'm, I'm pumping Cleveland up this whole time. I, I I wouldn't, for fantasy wise, I wouldn't put them in that Steelers Ravens tier, but I'm gonna put them just below. And the big reason is because of Miles Garrett. Uh, as you were saying, Rusty earlier with the Steelers, you're gonna draft them solely because of T.J. Watt. Like they have a good defense around them, but T.J. Watt's gonna rack you sacks up, right? Same thing with Miles Garrett. And if if the secondary can stay healthy and, and they live up to that potential that I think they can they have, I think they're top five defense also. I know I know I'm in the minority with that, but I, I really I really like this Cleveland team. I really like how this defense is shaping up.
0: Yeah. If like I said, if if you can get them as a backup defense, you know, that will allow you to watch them for the first couple of games. Because I really think the way this defense becomes a starting fantasy defense or even a top 10, top five defense is the linebackers. I think the secondary is fine. The front four are fine. But it's the linebackers for me that have a lot to prove. Like I said, Sione Taki, it's his first full season as a starter. Anthony Walker's on a new on his new team in Cleveland and Jeremiah Cormo is a rookie so those three guys have to prove to me that they can solidify the middle of the defense and if that they can then I think Cleveland elevates to top 10 top 5 defense uh-huh. Kicker we're, we don't have to talk about that I already talked about the kicker competition we don't know yet who's the actual starter, so we can't even talk about you know, projecting what we think about.
1: You know. I, I do have to say, though, that whoever does win the job, I think that they'd be a solid option just based on the Browns' offense and all that because I think the Browns are going to be a high-powered offense that might not make it into the end zone all the time, kind of like what we were saying before. So I think that whoever the Browns' kicker is – We'll have a lot of opportunities for field goals and I mean as long as it's not somebody that's gonna miss a lot, I think they'd be a solid option.
0: I I think whoever wins, even though I was hyping up Chase McLaughlin, I I wouldn't have either. <laughs> even with the Browns being a good offense. I'm not confident in either to, to start them in fantasy. Especially Cody Parkey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alright. I think we're finally on to the Bengals. So. I don't know if Aaron wants to go first or not.
3: Sure, I'll go. Uh, unfortunately, I will have to rank the ranks of Bengals last just because of the amount of competition right now with the other teams. Um, I'm going to give them an even record altogether. I think it's just the Bengals have been in this weird sort of limbo. I think they've been in this limbo for, oh, my gosh, years now, where it's they've been at that cusp of becoming a good team, but then they've had, like, a really bad year, and then they just go back down to being sort of bad. Uh, I think they're just still trying to figure it out. To pretty much, um, and it doesn't help that you have you have them competing all the time against the Steelers and the Ravens, and now you have the Browns uh, getting better now, which doesn't help them out. Would help the the Bengals at all right now. So I think really if they if they have an even record, I think that would be a, a big plus for them altogether for the whole, se- for the whole season.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. I really do like the Bengals. It's just they're in such a tough division, mm-hmm. uh, and I only have them going one and five in the division this year, five and twelve over overall for me. So, I mean, I. What did they go last year? Was it five and eleven? <laughs> I think so. So think it's so. a little bit yeah, of yeah. Something
3: deep. like that, like six and twelve, or something, or six and ten, or something. Like that. <laughs>
0: Half game decrease if they went five and 11 last year, but even though they're playing a fourth game' fourth place schedule, the teams in the other divisions that they got in fourth place are not the easiest fourth place teams from last year to play. Starting week one, they have to play the Vikings. That's a loss. Like that's not a tough that's not an easy team to play. They'll beat the Bears in Chicago. I I think they can do that. They'll lose in Pittsburgh. Then they have a Thursday nighter against the Jags, and I think Trevor Lawrence gets them. I think that's a loss to the Jags. Loss against the Packers. They beat Jared Goff in Detroit. Uh, They lose in Baltimore. Chris, I'm sorry, but they beat the Jets in New York. Uh (laughs) Joey B against Zach Wilson. Joey B's got it. I, the the reason why, though, is really I think it comes down to the Jets' defense. I'm not so sold on the Jets' defense just yet. Fair. But that one was the close, a uh, really close one, though. I was thinking of giving them a loss. They do beat Cleveland. That's their one divisional win. I think they can get one of the two Browns games. Uh, and that brings them into the bye... They lose in Vegas, they lose to the Steelers, lose to the Chargers, lose to the Niners. Like I said, the fourth-place teams that they're getting from last year are not easy. <laughs> the Vikings, the Niners, <laughs> um, they do beat the Broncos in Denver. Then they lose to the Ravens, Chiefs, and at Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, 5-12. and 12.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know my exact record yet because I'm still going over it, but mine's probably similar to that to yours. I mean, yeah, I think they start off the season with a loss uh, against Minnesota there. Uh, the Bears game is kind of tough, but I think that that Bears defense is still good enough to overtake the Bengals there. So I think they'd chalk up a loss there too and go 0-2 then go to Pittsburgh and still lose and start the season 0 and 3. I think they get their first win though against Jacksonville there in week 4. Then they go back in the losing train and lose against uh, the Packers there, going 1 and 4 then. And then go to Detroit, get their second win, they're 2 and 4. Go to Baltimore, lose that one, so they're 2 and 5. I think the Jets are going to win this one. Uh I mean, personally for me, the last time that these two teams played was the most embarrassing game I've ever watched. It was the Thanksgiving game from two years ago. The Bengals were 0-11. The Jets were whatever record they were. Adam Gates skipped Thanksgiving dinner to plan for this game, and they still lost 22-6. to So I think this is a- – even though there's, I don't think anybody left from that team with the Jets. I think this is a revenge game for them. They're going to show everybody that the Jets are serious business. They're going to go, or they're going to host the Bengals and kick them out with with a win there.
0: Jameson so, Crowder, Jameson Crowder, still there?
1: Well, yeah, but uh, so I think that the Jets win that one. So they'll go. The that'll drop the Bengals to two and six there um then they host the browns and they lose that one so they're two and seven go to las vegas they lose that one they're two and eight lose to the steelers lose to the chargers lose to the 49ers and then i think they can finally win against the broncos there and then they lose to the ravens lose to the chiefs and then i think that they win against the browns in the last week of the season only because the browns i don't think will need to play so I think that would mean my overall record would be 14 or four and 13.
2: So I, am pretty much in the same mind space as you guys. I also have them going five and 12. It's, their schedule's just, it's a very difficult fourth place schedule. Um, I, I have a losing to the Vikings that bears game. If Justin Fields was playing, I think they'd lose, but I think they get the win. Cause I, It sounds like Andy Dalton's going to get the start, and the Bears do have a good defense, but their corners, I don't know who (laughs) – their corners are very uh, unproven, and the Bengals have some good receivers, so I think they'll get their first win there. Um, Other than that, Rusty, I agree with everything you said. The only thing I would swap is I think that the Bengals will beat the Raiders. Um, and then they'll actually lose both games to the Browns. I think Rusty, you said they had them. You had them lose into the Raiders, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the, I think they get the Raiders there. The Raiders defense. I don't know. I I, I think the Bengals. I think the Bengals have enough offensive fire firepower, uh, just with Joe Burrow, uh, and enough willpower. That that that's that's a big thing. I think a lot of their wins, even though they're only five and twelve, I think their five wins are most. It's going to be a lot of just you know tough elbow grease type of wins. Uh, with that though, just just because of how difficult the schedule is and Joe Burrow entering his second year, it's going to be a very disappointing year. I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Taylor gets the can before the end of the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I don't know. They're, yeah, they're, uh, like you said, they're, they're going to have tough wins, uh, except when they blow out Detroit in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Derek Goff. Come on. But, alright, let's go to the depth chart here. Um, so, Joey B, returning. I mean, we all saw what he did last year before the injury. Uh-huh. What we'll to see? I, I mean, ACLs are tough. Um. I mean,
1: yeah, I I don't know about him because he uh, obviously it's his second year, but he didn't really have a rookie year per se. I mean, he had like half a season or whatever, but he didn't get the full rookie experience. So I think that he's still going to have some uh, rust and some kinks that he has to kind of knock out there. Um, but looking at their early part of their schedule, they don't have – an easy schedule really anywhere so especially in the beginning they play some tough defenses there so i don't know i think it'll be a tough year for him
3: yeah i agree with you chris just because of he he really (laughs) his rookie season was hampered by his injury and then also you you add on to that how was the injury affected game like how is he going to come back from this will he come back with like no problems at all or will there be like lingering issues that sometimes happen because of like you have these major major injuries and everything
1: it doesn't help that they also still don't have a good offensive line either
3: yeah <laughs> That's not, yeah that won't help especially if he if he if he needs coverage and he needs somebody to protect him when he's now injury now when he's just coming back from injury
2: yeah i think it's a big unknown i'm I mean, with today's science, I, I, my expectation is that Burrow will come back healthy and not have any um, issues playing. But, again, it's ACL. I'm, that's just my assumption. I, I don't see him as being one of those guys who's going to be playing very um, – like seeing ghosts kind of thing, though the offensive line isn't the best. Uh, I just think Joe Burrow has the mentality that he wants to eat people alive on this offense. And that's where I think that a lot of their wins are going to be through uh, sheer willpower um, with Joe Burrow.
0: Um, Yeah, so next guy, let's see, who else do we want to talk about here? We got Tamar Chase coming in, number five overall pick. I I mean – I still am not 100% on that decision to not draft him versus what's his face. Why can I not think of the name right now? Penae Sewell. Yes, Yes, Sewell. The thing is, they yeah. brought they brought Riley Reef in. They brought Jonah Williams back. Uh, you know, after his injury, his rookie year last year, but. two years ago, but
1: yeah, like I, like I just said, though I'm not a big fan of their offensive line regardless of their uh, offseason acquisitions or reacquisitions or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I mean, I think chase will help burrow obviously with them being teammates back at LSU, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it. Even in the biggest stage of the mall, without a without a good offensive line, you're not going to win games.
2: Hopefully, um, Zach Taylor can implement an offense where they get the ball out quickly. If they can get the ball out quickly, they have the weapons to be a potent offense. But as you guys are saying, I'm already reiterate the offensive line scares me, and uh, hopefully, it doesn't scare Joe Burrow
0: too much. <laughs> uh. The the next guy Yeah. I mean we, we like Jamar Chase got that LSU connection, so mm-hmm. if, Don't sleep on Tyler Boyd either. They got
2: NT Higgins. They Jamar Chase is just the cherry on top of an already good receiving core. Mm-hmm.
0: See Drew. I mean, I guess we can talk about Drew Sample, C.J. Uzama. Uzama coming back from injury last year. Sample now slated as the the starting tight end, after playing well with Uzama out. So, uh, I guess we don't need to talk about too much right now. We'll talk about more in a little bit when we talk about fantasy unless y'all have something that's non-fantasy about those two.
1: <laughs> I mean, there I I haven't seen enough about the, or of them really to really have a good opinion on them. But yeah.
2: Yeah, same thing here. And I mean, when it comes to what we'll, we'll talk about in fantasy, I don't think you're going to want to touch either of these guys just cuz they're unproven. Uh, Drew Sample was more of a blocking tight end. I was kind of surprised that he was drafted in the second round when he was. Um, but I'm glad to see that he's played himself into a starting position. Um, again, I don't think either of these guys are groundbreakers. I think they'll be more in the run blocking game and relying on the receivers to be pass catching.
0: Going to the offensive line, so got some new faces, uh, Xavier Suofilo. Believe he's new. I'm trying to think. I, I can't wrap my head around where he was. Oh, with the Cowboys last year. So coming over now with the Bengals. Not, not the greatest guard. I mean, <laughs> he's serviceable, though. Serviceable. Not surprised
2: he's still in the league. Not going to lie.
0: <laughs> uh, they also have. Rookie Jackson Carmen playing at the other guard spot this year, uh, and then like I said before, they brought in Riley Reef from Minnesota uh, to be their starting right tackle. the The tackles I'm I'm pretty okay with Jonah Williams, Riley Reef. That's not terrible. It's the guards and possibly even Trey Hopkins at center. I know there's a lot of people around the league that really like Trey Hopkins at, as the center there, but I think the biggest issue is the guards and how they shake out.
2: I think um, Jackson Carmen's the way he's going to be able to move to guard, it was going to be a big, um, big tell about how this offensive line goes. And I think – in drafting him in the second round, the Bengals um, are really hoping he uh, develops into a starting caliber guard. Also, because uh, I'm also kind of weary on the guards and on the entire offensive line. Even uh, I know Jonah Williams and Riley Reef on the on the outside. They they've played a lot and they have um, the experience. But again, they <laughs> there's a reason. Like with Riley Reef, there's a reason he's been bouncing back and forth. He's played a lot, but I don't know. You got to question? Why why aren't these teams wanting him back.
0: Well, I know in, in Minnesota, it was a situation where they just wanted to get younger. And also, I believe Minnesota had cap issues. Um, so that's why they couldn't bring him back in Minnesota. But I, I think that they have a lot of names as far as depth. And I'm not so sure that Jackson Carmen even wins that guard spot or Xavier Suafilo, because they have other guys Quentin Spain is on this team who has been really good throughout his career and they also have the center depth is I don't know in my mind I think it's one of the better trio of centers that they have Billy Price and um, Trey Hill another Georgia guy I, I think that's one of the best three centers that you can get as a complete trio of at the position. But they also have Michael Jordan at uh, one of the other backup guard spots. They have Hakeem uh, who they drafted as well. Rusty,
2: which offensive line, if you're a quarterback, which offensive line would you draw in front of you, the Bengals or the Steelers?
0: The Steelers there's just more continuity in the uh, the guys that the Steelers have have proven more even though you know Chuck so is switching spots but I I don't know I, I think he is probably the, the weakest even with two rookie starters on the Steelers I think that's interesting.
2: Uh, I'm not sure which I, I, I feel like you could have an argument for either one because exactly what you're saying with continuity in Pittsburgh, but Cincinnati, like you said, they have some names, and if if Carmen can step up and you can get one of those centers to step up, and if Riley Reef plays, up, I, I feel like Cincinnati's offensive line could um, play out of um, better than our expectations are, but I don't know. I feel like you can have an argument for either either one of those two offensive lines.
0: Well, yeah, and if they do, I'm not so sure that the Bengals don't push for a seven seed, and that they oh, I still don't think they make the playoffs, but <laughs> I don't know. I think, like I said, I'm pretty high on the Bengals, even with a five and twelve prediction. If their offensive line and their defense play well, they win some of those ones that are close. Like, I think, I mean, like I said, I have them losing to Jacksonville. So, you know, Jacksonville, the Vegas game, uh, possibly one of the games against Baltimore or or, or Pittsburgh, and then also even the Minnesota game, I think they could take if it shakes out well for the offensive line and the defense. Now, speaking of defense, they totally revamped this defense in Cincinnati this offseason. They got Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns. They got Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. Um, Trey Waynes coming over. Or was that last year? No. That was last year, I think. Was it? No, it says that uh, he didn't play for the Bengals last year. Oh. So. Yeah, so they get Trey Waynes over. Uh, They bring in (coughs) Tadobio Wuzier from the Cowboys, Mike Hilton from the Steelers. They get Eli Apple from the Saints. Um, And then also they brought in Ricardo Allen as a backup safety from the Falcons. Didn't do too much at the linebacker spot because they have three young guys that they're pretty confident in. Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaither who they drafted. They drafted all three of those guys within the last three years, so I I think the defense has a chance. Sure. It's similar to Cleveland, though. I think that, you know, the secondary has to prove itself, but they have a lot of pretty solid veteran free agents that they brought in. But the, the linebackers, I think, are where it comes down to, to actually making the defense solid if the young guys can step up. Um, Because I love Trey Hendrickson. Loved him with the Saints last year. And now he's going to get the opportunity to be the number one guy at the defensive end spot.
1: Yeah, but I think that's that's where I have the issue with him. Because when he was on the Saints defensive line, he had guys like Cam Jordan and Sheldon Rankins and other guys on that line that were ahead of him on the depth chart or whatever, or the pecking order, whatever you want to call it. But now I feel like he's not on a line that was the Bengals defensive line is nowhere near as good as the Saints defensive line was from last year. So I I could definitely see his production dipping this year.
0: But why isn't it? They have Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, and Larry Ogunjobi.
2: Okay, but that's not that's not Cameron Jordan and Sheldon um Sheldon Raykins, and the guy from UTSA. His name's escaping my mind. Uh, it's not the same. Like, yeah, they're decent. They're 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 good enough football players to start in the NFL, but they're not they're not the same defensive line that Saints are. they they brought Trey Hendrickson in to be the guy, and I agree with Chris. I'm I'm kind of weary. I don't know if Trey Hendrickson can be that guy just because I. Th- I would put him in the category of one of those guys who blew up in a contract here, which is great for him. Get your money, but I, I'm wary he's going to be able to be that that, that guy on the line. Mm-hmm.
0: I also like their depth guys, though, on the defensive line. Two, uh, actually three rookies at defensive end. Cam Sample, Joseph Osai, Khalid Kareem. Those three guys. Uh, Kareem, not... So much, but Cam Sample coming out of Tulane, Joseph Osai out of Texas. Both of those guys, especially Osai, I think, can provide quality pass rush uh, snaps. They do. You, have- yeah, it's a good
2: point you bring up. They do have good depth. Um, if if one of those rookies, um, Osai and, and Sample, I like both of them. Sample out of Tulane was was a steal for them. Uh, if one of those guys can come in and help Trey Hendrickson not have to shoulder the, the the load of having to be the pass rusher, I think they might be able to be decent. I think overall, this defense, though, their their ceiling is maybe like 15, like midway in the league.
0: I agree. Uh, they definitely are pretty young, have a lot to prove. But, yeah. That, they... they they do have a solid secondary though. I mean Trey Wayne's Tadobia Wouzier, both of those guys had to prove they can play. Getting ousted out of Minnesota after being a first round pick and getting ousted out of Dallas after being a second round pick for a Wouzier. But they have the best slot blitzing corner in the league in <laughs> <and> Mike Hilton. <laughs> Whether they use that though, I'm not so sure. I've never known Cincinnati to be a big blitz team, so
2: hopefully they will. They they brought in Mike Hilton to do it, or I'd hope they brought him in to do it. Yeah. So. Don't sleep on. Uh, I don't think any. I think people are starting to wake up on Jesse Bates. I think he's one of the um, best safeties in the league. I think he's just been playing in Cincinnati his whole career <laughs> yeah. which is why a lot of people don't don't know his name but Jesse Bates I think is is the best player on this entire defense and will yeah. be the leader um,
0: for them yeah him and Vaughn, one of the more underrated players in the league him and von Bell are, are one of the better safety tandems in the league I'd agree hey guys, that von I'm just... baller too. Oh.
3: Hey, guys, I'm just saying I'm, I'm signing off. Thanks for having me on, Chris
0: and Rusty. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. All right, man. We'll see you, Aaron. Yep, see you, guys. Thanks again. Bye. All right, and before we get to fantasy, they have a new kicker this year. <laughs> the highest-drafted kicker this year in the draft out of Florida, Evan McPherson. Uh, I guess technically... He's going to be in a camp battle with Austin Seibert, the incumbent. But I have no inkling that Seibert has a chance. There's no battle. Yeah. He's just there to push push him. Evan McPherson was by far the best college kicker this year in the draft. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, you don't get drafted in the fifth round to be cut.
0: For sure. Yeah, so... Final, let's go to Fantasy. Joe Burrow. Like I said, dude, I love Joey B. I. He's actually... Because the thing is, they're going to be down a lot in, in, in many games. So they're probably going to end up throwing the ball. And I can see that being the case regardless of whether they're down or not. Just because they brought in Jamar Chase. Unfortunately, they couldn't bring in Joe Brady as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like John said, Zach Taylor's out. The move to me would be, all right, we're going to go get Joe Brady from Carolina to be our next head coach, and we're going to run this LSU back, (laughs) and we're going to run the spread LSU offense that we did winning national championship.
2: I'm surprised they didn't do that this, uh, this last season. Or why didn't they? Because wasn't Joe Brady looking for a job? Uh, he got hired as Carolina's OC the same year uh, Burrow got drafted, right?
0: Yes, but the thing I, that... I
2: I still can't wrap my mind around why. Since he didn't think to bring in Brady to be the OC at least, or some, I don't know, any anything going from LSU's receiver coach to the NFL as a jump. So I don't know why. Why did since he didn't do that right away? So I think if they were to do that, like you're saying, Rusty, that'd be a great idea.
0: Well, I think that the issue was is that Zach Taylor had only been there one season. And then, you know, Joe Burrow got hurt. So they didn't have a full season to evaluate it. So I think going into a second season. And the thing is, is I think they're going to give Zach Taylor a third season as well. Because the the reasoning will be, well, we didn't have the season, the greatest season, because the first quarter... Joe Burrow was still trying to get his footing back from the ACL, so that's what that's what I think their reasoning would be, anyways, in Cincinnati too. Um,
2: I mean, Cincinnati's very slow to move
0: on from coaches. You saw how long Marvin Lewis was there
2: for. But <laughs> mm-hmm. again, when was the last time Cincinnati won a playoff game? So
0: that yeah, was but
1: even even Zach Taylor though. Even the, he isn't going to last that long. Marvin Lewis at least brought them to the playoffs consistently or close to it. Five times. Zach Taylor has done nothing.
0: Five times he brought them to the playoffs with Andy Dalton. I I think that's a
2: big difference when you see winning franchises versus losing franchises is winning franchises know when they made a mistake and they'll just – they'll move on and accept that it was a mistake rather than there's those teams who keep – waiting and waiting and trying to force their mistake to end up not being a mistake, but then it just prolongs the losingness. So I think if Cincinnati, hopefully, hopefully Zach Taylor turns it around and they have a good season, but if, if they go halfway through the season and they're not pushing for a playoff spot, I think it's time to move on.
0: Yeah. um, The crap, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) yeah i don't remember what what i was trying to say about uh the zach taylor joe burrow whole thing but yeah i really like joe burrow in fantasy you know you're gonna get him as your qb2 and he's a high-end qb2 for me because like i started out with they're gonna throw the ball because they're going to be down a lot. So give me a lot of garbage yards and touchdowns from Joe Burrow in 2021. See, I'm
1: I'm a hesitant to, to go near him because he is still only a second-year player. Yes, he has the pedigree of a champion and all that from college, and he was obviously the number one overall pick for a reason. But – He's also now coming off the injury, and I don't know. I don't know if I'd go for him this year. If I did, it would be towards the later round if he slips to me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd touch him. But if he does work out, obviously, I think he's going to be a, one of the top fantasy quarterbacks. But, again, I feel like he's a very big boom or bust pick for me.
0: moving on to running back joe mixon finally finally he's the actual guy he doesn't have <laughs> he doesn't have geo bernard backing him up anymore it's samaje Piran and travion williams as well as a the guy they drafted in the 6th round in chris evans but yeah the thing for me is can you know, Joe Mixon be on the field for all 17 games? And does the offensive line have enough juice to make some lanes for him?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's still going to go in one of the first couple rounds, but I've never been a big fan of him. I've always, if I had the opportunity to draft him, I didn't. Like because I just, I've never believed in him.
2: I think, um... Mixon is kind of similar in that Najee Harris role where their offensive lines aren't great, but they're the guys. They're not actually in a committee, which is rare. So I I, I would be pretty, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm high on Mixon, but I would take him as an RB2. Um, and I'd, I'd be happy to have him as an RB2 because he's going to have those touches. Uh, he might not play the entire season, but that's why you have your bench guys. Uh, so I would go for Mixon. He's no longer RB1. RB2 would be great.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, like Chris, I've never been a big Joe Mixon person, so. All right. Um, let's go to receivers. One of the better trios out there. Very young. Tyler Boyd is the old man in the group. Um, but... I've I've loved Tyler Boyd almost since he came to Cincinnati. He was really good when he was at Pitt. Um, and then getting drafted to the Bengals in the second round. I think having Jamar Chase is going to help Tyler Boyd even more. We already saw how much getting T. Higgins last year helped Tyler Boyd. And uh-huh. I think really teams were more keying on Tyler Boyd in the early half of the season. And then they kind of switched it because T Higgins was being so productive. So now you add in Jamar Chase, who I think will by far be the number one receiver and take the pressure off Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. I think all three are draftable, but I would probably say you're going to want Jamar Chase.
1: Yeah. I mean, what, well, What is the depth chart order for the three of them? Who's the number one right now?
0: Is it Chase? It says Tyler Boyd.
1: I mean, yeah. I think that the fact that all three of them are so equal and so similar, I think that's the problem when it comes to fantasy. Because we don't really know who's going to get the the most targets. We don't know who's going to get the ball in the big situations and all that. So, I mean, yeah, I think all three of them are draftable, especially – Uh, Chase I think but I don't know I I would definitely rather have them as uh, uh, flex or maybe low two in my opinion
2: I think looking at their uh, tight ends and their running backs they're going to play a lot of 10 and 11 personnel so they're going to have all three receivers are going to see plenty of uh, field and because of that I think all three, like you guys are saying, all three are draftable. Jamar Chase, I think eventually will be the number one. However, I've always been a little weary and kind of try to stay away from rookie receivers. So for me, the one I'm going to target there is T Higgins as a ceiling for receiver two. But I think your sweet spot for all three of them would be in that flex position, mm-hmm. or, or one of your first starter, um, one of your first guys off the bench.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not so sure. If it would be a good strategy, I, I might try it out in like a random free league. But to try to get Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and then just play them both would be intriguing, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tight ends That's not. until Joe Burrow goes and gets hurt again because the offensive line. I'm just kidding. No, he'll be Very right. possible. He'll be all right. Tight ends and Drew Sample, C.J. Uzama. With Jamar Chase coming in, I it, it limits the tight ends even more. <laughs> so.
1: I mean, even if they didn't have Jamar Chase, though, I still wouldn't go near the tight ends.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not touching those tight ends.
0: Um. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Now defense, like I said though, I'm I'm confident in the Bengals defense. Not to not to draft them or or play them in fantasy, but they're one that I think you should keep on the watch list. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, check out how they're doing. Like I said, they're probably going to be down in a lot of games, which means they're gonna give up a lot of points. They're playing tough offenses. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Green Bay, uh, Vegas throws the ball around. The Chargers, who knows? Yeah, I mean San Francisco has the run game going. I mean they can be potent as well. Kansas City, it's it's gonna be tough. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in this Bengals defense. You guys
1: can watch him. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, though. I, I'm not going anywhere near the defense. But I, I'm kind of like a mix between you two because I don't – right now I'm not going to pay attention to them, but they are kind of still going to be in the back of my mind. like Because I think they do have the potential. I mean, we were talking about Trey Hendrickson before. He We saw what he did in New Orleans last year, but he wasn't the guy. But if he could still do the same thing as the guy – then, I—I I mean that opens up the rest of the defense, and I think that if they can perform up to their potential, that I they would I think be a at least a team that you should look at as a potential plug-in for a week or something.
0: Yeah, take them pick them up in dynasty, Chris.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm good with the Chargers and, and Packers right now.
0: Uh. And then finally, Evan McPherson. I think even you know, with the team most likely struggling, I really do think that Evan McPherson could be this year's Rodrigo blankenship as you know, the rookie kicker that you're you pick up in like week five that can lead you to the playoffs. Uh-huh. If, that's the thing though, that's if you get, you know, one of those guys that is mid-level as your kicker when you, if you go like you guys do at the end of the draft. I only draft a kicker at the end of the draft if I don't get, if I can't get one of the top guys, but.
2: I don't like rookie kickers. Uh, now that might be stemming because I drafted Roberto Aguayo and that (laughs) didn't work out. So I'm. For me, with kickers, I try not to go for rookies. Uh, Blankenship last year was great. Uh, I I'm saying I don't go for rookie kickers. I got Blankenship last year as a waiver wire pickup, and it was awesome. But <laughs> I don't know, Aguayo still in my head. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely will not be drafting him. But yeah, if you will. <laughs> if he uh, if he does perform and he's still out there, and I have a mediocre kicker, then yeah, I'd probably go for him.
0: All right. So, uh, just to wrap up, I have, like I said, I don't know who actually wins the tiebreaker because I didn't feel like going to a third tiebreak. So I have a tie atop the division, the Steelers and Ravens at 10-7, and 4-2 and two in the division. Uh, and then, like I said, the second tiebreaker, they also tied, which is conference record, seven and five, each. Uh, Browns I have in third also ten and seven, but they are three and three in the division, and then the Bengals at five and twelve.
1: Yeah, I mean, my standings are similar to yours, but I, uh, I think. The Ravens would edge out the Steelers by a game in mind. I think I would have them, uh, I forget what I said, but I think they'd go like 11 and 6 or even 10 and 7. And then the Steelers, I think, would also go 10 and 7 or 9 and 8. And if they tied, though, I think the Ravens would get the tiebreaker, just off the top of my head based on my things. And then the Browns, I, I'm not as high on the Browns as some people are. <laughs> But uh, I think that they could get to nine wins. I think that's their ceiling this year, um, just because of their tough schedule. And then the Bengals, I I don't think that they really, well, actually, they take a big step backwards in my predictions here, going four and thirteen.
2: And then uh, I, as you guys have been, as you guys know, I'm very high on the Browns. I think uh, they'll go thirteen and four, win the division. Baltimore is still going to be uh, competing and getting the wild card at 10-7. and 7. I think Pittsburgh takes a big step back at 8-9. and 9. On the Steelers, actually, and Rusty, I'm curious your opinion, being a Steelers fan. Uh, I'm curious if Steelers fans might want to root for the Steelers to almost do really poorly and try to get the quarterback of their future, unless you trust in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, lastly, I have uh, Cincinnati going 5-12. and
0: Well, the issue is, is that... The 2022 draft class, at least right now, is not that strong at the quarterback position. Uh, Last time I knew it was Desmond Ritter was the number one. I mean, that was a while ago, though. I haven't really checked in. I know,
2: uh, rise of right now, the big ones I'm hearing are a lot of Sam Howell comparisons to Baker Mayfield. And then you got Spencer Rattler. I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan, but you got Spencer Rattler there. Um, Ritter from Cincinnati, uh, but then again, uh, before 2020, no one knew Joe Burrow's name, or at least outside of Ohio State uh, last year. And then uh, last year, no one really knew Trey Lance. So every year, you're going to have a quarterback, a young guy, come in and and uh, light the college football world on fire. So if I if I'm the Steelers, uh, my a lot of my family are Steeler fans. So I, thinking about the Steelers, I just hope that they don't do well enough to be put into that little quarterback purgatory where you're not in position to jump up for a quarterback or who knows, maybe there'll be a position. Uh, we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks looking uh, for trades nowadays. You got Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Sean Watson, big name guys putting their name out there. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, after this year, it's going to be interesting, but um, Pittsburgh does uh, assuming big Ben does not
1: come back. Well, yeah. I just, uh, just for fun, I kind of looked up the uh, way too early twenty twenty two draft just to see what it would say. And the the USA Today one has the Steelers at number thirteen picking USC quarterback Ken, or Keaton Slovis. So,
0: yeah, Keaton's also up there. Uh, yeah, but, but John, that's why last year uh, I wanted. The Steelers to draft Jalen Hurts in the second round because I thought he was a perfect replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. And then, what Mike, do you think about Mike Dwayne Haskins? Hasko,
2: do you think he's going to be able to uh, shape up?
0: No, I I mean <laughs> the thing is is that I mean Dwayne's definitely in a better situation now. It's not so toxic. Uh, like it was in Washington. Even with Ron Rivera, I still think it wasn't the best situation for Dwayne. And plus, he's away from his home because he was from D.C., and that's what one of the biggest factors is why he struggled was because he had all his family and friends there, and it just was not a good situation because he was, I don't know, so comfortable or his friends always wanted to go out. He wasn't ready for the lifestyle, um, but now he's across this. He's across a little bit farther west in Pittsburgh. So I don't know if he even. I don't think he even makes the team necessarily, unless they keep three quarterbacks, um, because Mason Rudolph is solidified as the backup, and. You know, I believe
2: um, they're continuing those practice squad rules from last year, correct? Where you you could have, I believe it's what sixteen players, with two of them being veterans, um, exceeding yeah. that two-year practice squad limit.
0: Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure Dwayne Haskins qualifies as a vet yet, because he's only in his. Uh, be his third year, right? F- yes. So either way, if he's not a
2: vet, he can make the – if no one else wants him, he can make the practice squad, or if he is considered that vet, then he'd be able to take one of those two practice squad positions. Quarterback to keep an eye on in the college draft, guys, uh, look for Malik Willis from Liberty. Yes. That guy's electric, and I think think he's going to be this year's Trey Lance.
0: I will throw two others out. The guy right here in Athens, Georgia – JT Daniels, the guy that is going to lead Georgia to a national championship this year. JT Daniels, even though he's going to be a redshirt junior this year, so he still has one more year. um, Actually, technically two. Because that stupid NCAA thing. But, yeah. he. I believe JT Daniels will be completely back from his ACL this year, because last year he wasn't totally back, or at least that's what they said in the beginning of the season. None of us Georgia fans believed that BS in the beginning of the season, that JT wasn't healthy enough to play. Uh, And then we struggled and got destroyed by Florida, and we're like, well, if JT would have played, we might have had a chance. But him and a guy that transferred from the FCS to the FBS – going from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky and that is why I believe Western Kentucky will win Conference USA this year Bailey Zappi I know Chris knows yeah. I I love absolutely love Bailey Zappi has a great name he almost was so close to beating Texas Tech last year uh, in a just monster shootout I believe it was like 58 to 53 or something like that and yeah. Bailey Zappi can sling it. He's a gunslinger and uh like I said, Western Kentucky's gonna win conference USA this year.
2: <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully hopefully we got a few quarterbacks that Pittsburgh might be able to get. Because otherwise mm-hmm. I don't know, it might be a bleak few years in the future.
0: Yeah. I mean those guys are probably not JT has a chance at the first round, but you know, Bailey Zappi's probably not gonna go first. So or not till, you know, mid-rounds. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, next Monday, we'll be back doing AFC previews. We are going to do the AFC South. We got Carson Wentz in his new number two uniform at Colts practice there. Derek Henry also. We'll be talking Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I can't even name anyone for the Texans because I don't want to. Because (laughs) (laughs) they have too many players. But, (laughs) Uh. yeah, we'll be doing uh, NFC North on Football Friday this week and then back AFC South next Monday. Uh. Uh, Come on. So that is the show for today, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to follow us here on YouTube and also Facebook, as well as on our social media at FAA Podcast and FAApodcast.com. Um, before we go, who y'all got tonight? Clippers, Suns, it's an elimination game.
1: Let's go, Suns, all the way.
0: I.
2: Honestly, I think the Suns are going to be really hard to beat, but just being that it's the Clippers and it's an elimination game, I think they show up and they still lose. <laughs> I got Phoenix also.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well Zubac is out. Zubac is out for, for L.A., so I think that helps DeAndre Ayton. He's going to score a lot more because Zubac is out in the middle for the Clips. Uh, I have DeAndre Ayton first basket. Pray for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really need it after the BS that went down in the France game. Uh, so hopefully DeAndre can score the first basket tonight. <laughs> we'll said, see, He had a
2: monster game two days ago, so
0: hopefully. <laughs> right. Like I said, thank you all, and we will see you on Friday.
3: See you on Sounds good.